This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of April. Of course, if you're in hospital, it's not much fun being told every day. It's just another few hours since the last time somebody mentioned what day it is. So yesterday, the Queen celebrated her birthday, one of two that she celebrates. And uh, she gets guns in London and the gun carriages and the marching bands and everything. She's not there. She's been in Windsor for a month. Do you think they'd have done it down in Windsor? Perhaps they did it twice. Perhaps we just do it here for ceremony, don't we? Must be quite nice to be woken up, you know, on your birthday morning by somebody playing happy birthday. Uh, The underwear addict who buys new pants daily. Imagine, that's like buying new socks, isn't it? Wearing a new pair. Jamelia opens mouth and for about the third or fourth time puts her feet in it. Perhaps she's got no brain. Perhaps that's something we should talk about today. Nice to have your company, though. The best drink after the gym, that's uh, the gymnasium, is apparently chocolate milk. Chocolate milk is apparently the thing. How delicious. Ice-cold chocolate milk. I couldn't drink any now because I'm still doing the, uh, the coffee routine. But chocolate milk... That's fantastic. And if you want to be paid more, apparently have more sex. I don't know if that's with somebody you know or with a perfect stranger. I'm not. When I read the story, I was sort of thinking, so if you want to be paid more, have more sex. I thought, well, if you're having more sex, that means that you're spending less time at work. And if you're spending less time at work, they're not going to be paying you, are they? Well, I didn't think so. Uh, the shameless benefit cheat who ran a drugs ring off to prison for 16 years. He'll die in there, thank God. The champagne from the 1800s. That still tastes good. Ed Sheeran and this homophobic language. The video's been pulled from the internet before it kills his career. Stone dead. Stupid boy, honestly. They sometimes wonder where the, where the brain cell is. And the politicians uniting in the call for uh, Janna to face charges. I can't be bothered to call him Lord Janna, I'm afraid. Because I'm thinking, if this is a man who, who decides the rules in this country, being a member of the House of Lords, I don't want anything to do with him. I'm surprised he's not. The Labour Party have kicked him out. Why has the House of Lords not kicked him out as well? You know, until these these uh, allegations are sorted out in a court in accordance with the law in this land. I mean, this is about the third time, and most of you, judging by what we read in the newspapers and judging by the uh, internet and the emails and the texts and things like that, you don't believe a word of it. You're more cynical than I am. Most of you seem to think he's putting it on to get away with it. I have to be honest, I mean, there's something not right, is there? There's something not right that he can afford to sign his name and uh, and yet can't afford to uh, to sort of appear in court on these charges. It's not just one charge. This is 22 separate charges. And like, you, you get the feeling it's friends in high places because I've seen lots of people, you know, the, the, the family have said, no, this is not true. But there again, you know, how do we know? How do we? We don't know these things, do we? We're all innocents until somebody tells us differently. And then I was reading all about Grant Shapps, who has been accused of editing Wikipedia. Well, it's not difficult. Anybody with half a brain cell can edit. You can make anything on there. You can absolutely put anything on Wikipedia. I think mine's been changed so many times, so now they have put citations above something. Uh, if you're sort of trying to prove anything. Because people are a bit... I remember somebody wrote to somebody once who'd been altering a Wikipedia and said, why are you doing it? They said, because it's fun. And you thought, you're a bit screwy, aren't you? You're not all there in the upstairs department, poor souls. Betty Willis has died. Go on, you've got no idea who Betty Willis is, have you? No idea. No idea at all. She she designed something that uh, that most of you would have seen. I say most of you. I would think all of you listening have seen. All of you seen. And then yesterday, do you remember we had that, that, that footballer 
And somebody, well, I didn't know he was a footballer at all. Somebody said, do you know, do you know who he is? And of course, I didn't know who he was. And then somebody wrote in and said, oh, he died in the Munich plane crash. Which, I mean, having asked around here, nobody else knew who he was. And then somebody somebody wrote yesterday. This was the, this was the joke of the day. I'm going to complain to your bosses about what you said about him. I thought, what, we didn't know him? <laughs> Which, of course, it happened in the 1950s. You'd have to be 190 to know the uh, the name of anybody in that uh, team at all. He was part of the Busby Babes. Anybody else name him? No, unless you cheat and check it out on the internet. Nobody knows, unless you follow that uh, kind of thing. Remember the dad of 40? This, uh, this... God knows he's ugly. How he manages to pull these women, I've got no idea. And then we've seen the latest one. She said she loves him, the dad of 40, and she wants to settle down with him and she's saving up to get married to him. And then you look at a picture of him and you think, dear God in heaven, it's the Jeremy Kyle show. It's the starter kit. There it was, the Jeremy Kyle show. I'm glad yesterday my uh, my comments about little Harper 7, who sounds like a can of tenants that's gone off, um, actually could be a battery-operated toy. It's very rare that we see her walking. Every time you see her at an airport, she's being carried because mainly she'll trip over the photographer who follows the Beckhams around like a lapdog. And so I did put out the theory yesterday that maybe Harper Beckham, Beckham was a was a battery operated toy. But that's why, you know, they're, they're saving the batteries. So we'll carry her everywhere. Uh, apart from that, Google. Here we go. This is going to prove it once and for all is joining the search for the Loch Ness Monster. Now, as I've told you before, unless you're particularly stupid, thick or, you know, really dumb, and you'd have to be to believe that this thing ever existed in the first place, Google are going to turn up what everybody else has been saying for years, apart from a few bewildered people who are keeping an industry going in Scotland. Ah, yes, so the monster, he came out of the mist in the morning, and and you think, you're off your trolley, aren't you? You're completely befuddled, completely befuddled. Wasn't a monster, never was a monster, never existed, never going to exist. This thing would be, that th- would be the oldest thing you know, that they'd ever found anywhere that's still happily swimming around all by itself. Because, as we've pointed out before, maybe there's two of them. Maybe they procreated. Maybe they procreated. Maybe, you know, they've been in there in the underwater secret bits of the lock, which don't exist. There's no fish in there, in the lock, uh, so it would have to be vegetarian. And it would have to come up to breathe. It would have to come up to breathe. So, of course, you know, the one photo every 30 years is not really good enough. And as we've all got fantastic quality uh, cameras on our telephones, there should be a picture. The only one that they keep putting up is one from 19, is it 34 or something like that, uh, which was taken by some crackpot going, yes, this thing was on the water. Its head came out and it was elongated. So, of course, all all the loonies like to believe in something like that. They want to believe in the Loch Ness Monster like we want to believe that there's a little character like E.T. as opposed to somebody who wants to kill you coming from another planet. That's what people want to believe. People want to believe. And I remember Dr Magnus Pike did a book and he he sort of got rid of all the myths about, you know, there's no way that the Loch Ness Monster could ever exist because, A, it's got to breathe. You know, all this talk about underwater caves and the fact that the loch is so deep and so dark that it could be swimming around there. Well, when does it breathe? Was it got an aqualung or something? No, it's a load of old rubbish. And it's always it's always laughable to people in the media when you have to go along with the with with the crackpots who put up with this rubbish. I don't know why. Don't know why they do. Ed Sheeran, I'm very disappointed in. Very, very disappointed in Ed Sheeran. The homophobic language. They pulled the video as quick as they possibly could. The damage has been done though. And um I, I had him up for better. I had him up for better. I'll tell you about the, the story a bit later on. But to be honest with you, we don't need that kind of uh that kind of talk from anybody, least of all Ed Sheeran. 
least of all Ed Sheeran. You know, he has uh, rounded on people for being homophobic in the past, and here was this this video purporting uh, to have him saying homophobic things, which we don't need, I'm afraid, Ed. I'm really sorry, but you've gone way down in my estimation. Way down. Uh, then there were the Bear Grylls mob who turned up on the telly the other day, and uh, they caught a crocodile. As I've said before, I'd rather starve than catch anything. Uh, but crocodiles, where they were, were protected. But they, they ate it. They sort of caught it in a trap. Only caught the end of the programme, which was quite enough as far as I was concerned. I mean, the, these things take your arm off quite easily. Take your arm drown you. They can kill water buffalo. They, they have no fear of anybody at all. And they, uh, and they killed it and they ate it. <laughs> Not my sort of thing at all. And the bookkeeper of Auschwitz begs for mercy. He's 93 now. Couldn't care less how old he is. Couldn't guess how, how old. He was. Uh, he talked of horrendous things, which I won't even repeat on this programme, of what he heard and what he saw in Auschwitz. He's 93. He says, morally, I've got the blood of God knows how many people on my hands. Because he was in a, a situation. He found himself in a situation whereby you can't do anything about it. He probably could have been taken out and shot himself had he done anything about it. So, 93, they drag him into court. So they've dragged him into court for crimes you know, of which he will be charged, and then they will present the evidence on both sides, then Greville Janner undoubtedly has to go to court. And this one's gathering momentum. It's not going away any time soon, no matter how much or how many supporters of Greville Janner there might be. He might be a lovely person. might be an absolutely wonderful person. I've got no idea. But there are questions to be asked. The question is, and I'm surprised the newspapers haven't come up with it, who's the person who's diagnosed him with dementia? Who is that person? Is the one person who's going round in the higher echelons of society? You seem to think there's some giant cover-up. Most of you writing in to LBC go, there's some sort of cover-up here, isn't there? Because he's got friends in high places. Well, let's face it, the charges couldn't be any more serious. That's why you would have thought that the family would want to go to court to sort of, you know, kind of get closure. Either for him, you know, if he goes to court and then they sort of find him guilty or not guilty, doesn't matter what it is, then somebody, either one of the parties, will, will get closure. So we'll wait and see. But it's not going away any time soon. Even Anne Whittacombe's jumped in on this one. So I'll tell you about her a little bit later on. 84850, uk, And uh, another one here. It says, um, uh, Steve, more, more sex. Will you still get more cash? I don't believe I will. I have to be honest, I don't really think it's going to be possible to have more sex and get more money unless I'm working King's Cross. In which case, to be honest with you, I don't think anybody's going to be paying anybody who looks like me anytime soon. You know, I mean, I'm just... I, admittedly, there are those people who like uglies, and I suppose I could qualify in that one. But that's what they've said. If you want to earn more money, have more sex. It's a bit of a bizarre one, isn't it? Quick time check for you in case you're worrying about these things, which you shouldn't be. Because it's LBC and quarter past four. This. On Nick Ferrari at breakfast, the latest election call is with the London Mayor Boris Johnson. You can put your questions to the man David Cameron said could eventually lead the Conservatives. And as the International Organisation for Migration state that if migrants continue to die at the same rate in the Mediterranean Sea, it could leave 30,000 dead in the next year. We'll hear the shocking stories of a mother and a young man from Eritrea. Plus, the school's minister, David Laws, joins Nick to say that the Lib Dems will guarantee at least inflation increases in public sector salaries. That's all with Nick Ferrari and the team this morning. 
after the news at seven, which is after the morning news with Lisa Aziz. Looking at the paper today for Nick Roger Alton, executive editor of The Times, former editor of The Observer. So the front page story of The Sun is the story that we did yesterday. And I don't know what more you can say about it. Do not buy pills online. This obsession that people have got with losing weight, this obsession that people have got of trying to be painfully thin and jealous though I am. There's a fellow presenter in this building. I've only just discovered he's 21, so he's entitled to be thin. But he is absolutely thin. And I was talking to another presenter who's got another show at the same time as me. And we were saying, she said, it must be great to be that size. I said, yeah, but that's his age. When we were that age, we were that thin. I think I was anyway. And, um, and then all of a sudden it sort of changes. So there is this obsession in this country with being thin, with with dieting and with sort of reality stars, I say stars, I use the term very loosely, mainly they're disaster stars, and they sort of pop up and they sort of, well, here I am all bloated in a park. You know, the people like the, Chan- uh, the Chanel's and the Chantel's and all that kind of ilk, you know, the vacuous, empty vessels who don't actually have a job. They don't really contribute to anything, but every so often they'll either pop a child out or they'll release a DVD, which shows them losing the weight that they put on purposely so they could lose weight to release the DVD. And so all these other people have role models. And people out there in sort of the real world go, oh, we love Victoria Beckham. Oh, we love, you know, Sam Verheers. We don't hear that so often now. Um, And various other people. There was a woman on the telly the other day. She was doing the Come Dine With Me programme. And she she was a bimbo. I hate to say bimbo because she spent the first two days saying, well, I wonder if you can guess what I do for a living. You know, whereas most of them came up with either stripper or pole dancer. And, uh, no, I'm going to save that for you. She obviously thought she was something special. I mean, I seriously, that she, she was slightly delusional. When, when she told them various things at the table, you know, she sort of, she, she did her food, she's all very sweet, but you get the impression that this, this programme isn't so much about the food, it's about bimbos and brainless blokes telling you their dull existences. And this woman, you know, whenever my, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, she's obsessed with the world of celebrity. So I was shouting, I've got a book so you want to be a celebrity, which I've never mentioned before. But if you want to go and buy it, you can get it in foils or order it on Amazon. Thank you very much indeed. And, um, and so she was talking about it and she said, oh, I love celebrity. And then they were trying to guess what she did for a living. And in the end, I mean, you'd have thought she blonde. She did look as though she could have been sort of a model if you were sort of taking your clothes off. She wasn't pretty enough. You know, it's, people think that you've got to be pretty to be a model. No, no. If you're prepared to get your boobs out, you're a glamour model, but you're not glamorous, OK? There's a lot of woof-woofs out there. And if you want to be a model like Cara Delevingne, looks do not come into it. Kate Moss is not classically beautiful. In modelling terms, she's exactly what they're looking for. Her face is a canvas. You can paint whatever you want on it. So when you get these poor bimbos who turn up on the television, they've had their hair curled and done this and done that and bleached it and had their eyebrows done. You know, it's, it's, it's false promises. And so eventually they're all going, well, so what do you do for a living? Well, let's have one more guess, shall we? She goes, sitting at the table, looking like, you know, the cat that got the cream in this pokey little house with this crappy little kitchen. And, um, and they go, you know, uh, lap dancer, model, singer. And then she went, teacher. And they went, right, why was that a big secret? They couldn't quite work out why somebody be secretive about being a teacher. She's got lots of pictures of herself with bunny ears on. She obviously thought that she was really attractive. And they said, so where does the celebrity come in? And she said, because I, I love celebrity. So who would be your favourite celebrity? Well, I think Victoria Beckham. She would be she would be my role model. She said, and when my husband and I go out, people, people call us the Posh and Becks. And I thought, do they? I don't think they do. 
And, of course, all this was done with a Scottish accent, so it didn't help because I had to put subtitles up for me because I couldn't understand a word she was saying. And that was what it was all about. She was obsessed with, with Posh and Beck. She was, and, and so this bloke was saying, but why? She said, because she's a role model. And he said, but why, why is she a role model? And this one was an English teacher. And she said, and, and we, we do, you know, as a teacher, I take them out and, uh, and we've done a fashion magazine for the local, the local shopping centre or something, which we gave away. And so one of the blokes said, he said, you think that's part of teaching them English? Shouldn't it be literature? No, not all literature, she, literature, she goes. It's part of it. And it's obviously doing things that she wanted to do. She was quite clearly, we're having a conversation with her, was a bit like talking to a piece of chocolate. It was, a, it was about as bad and as about as good as it got. But I never got to the end of the programme because one of the blokes was um, a prison officer. But he had no sense of smell, so he couldn't work out when they'd done lockdown or something, whatever it was, anyway. And then it took an hour in between his first course and his main course. I mean, I'd have left. I'd have left. I couldn't understand. When, when somebody told me a while ago that at the Katie Price 700th wedding of the year, you know, Miss little Miss Boredom, um, she was about an hour and a half late for the wedding. Well, I'd have got up and left. Why would you be sitting there? Unless you're particularly desperate to get your picture in OK magazine. Very worrying. 84850 steve at lbc.co.uk. So when it comes down to it, it's people want to be thin. Nobody wants to be fat. Every time you see somebody, there's a little picture in one of the papers today of poor, a poor Arge. You have to call him that because he's because that's his little nickname. Because where he comes from, they have little nicknames. I had another nickname for him, but it's unrepeatable on this program. And um, and they're going, oh look at his body now. He's got a great body. And then of course you think, well you haven't done that by yourself. And then comes the plug. I've been using, he says, and I thought, oh. God, honestly, what a weak, pathetic person he is. Not been going to the gym, he's just been sort of, you know, using a, a supplement. So here's this girl who died. The toxic pills. You can buy them on the internet. They're not difficult to get hold of. You can find them very easily. Uh, one of them called DNP. It's uh, it's not really for human consumption. Um, it's uh, this, this stuff here, it's like reversing a car and slipping the clutch. The clutch wears out and the engine overheats. And that's what happened to this girl. This is 50 quid for 50 tablets. It's probably worth about uh, a couple of quid, I should imagine, to somebody who makes it. Because they put it in a bottle and people think, oh, if it's sold on the internet, it must be OK. We can use that. I mean, if there was any easy cure for diets, there'd be one. If there was a diet that worked, somebody said, listen, if you mix this with this, the combination of that will have this effect. That works. That'd just be the one diet. But there isn't. It's a billion, billion pound a year industry in this country. Have food delivered to your home. Have this supplement. Have this supplement. Take this stuff. Eat more avocados. Don't drink too much tea. Don't drink too much water. Cut out the fried food. Cut out the sugary stuff. And have a really boring existence. You know, some people are meant to be big. Some people are meant to be small. Some people are meant to be prone to yo-yo dieting. They go up, they go down, they go every which way but. But the one thing you never, ever, ever, ever do... I mean, you'd have to be so stupid to order this stuff on the internet, wouldn't you? The stuff that she actually took. Uh, literally, she went to hospital. She should have... T- two of these tablets that she took were killers. OK, two could have killed her. What did she take? Eight. She checks into hospital... Within hours of checking into hospital, she's dead. And all I can say every time is, how many more times do we have to say to people, young people, all sorts of people, that, you know, there is no quick fix for losing weight. There is no magic tablet that you can pop that is going to make the weight fall. Where do you think it's going to go? Where do you think the weight's going to go? People sort of see it, you know, they had one a short while ago, and they go, it's, it's derived from fish. How often do you see fat fish? 
kind of thing. And you go, yeah, whatever. And that's what people want. They want this miracle cure. They want to lose the weight because everybody wants to lie on the beach and have sort of the Adonis's body or, you know, the curves and all the right things. But at the end of it, it comes with a price. And the price is you could die. And if I sit here till I'm 90 and tell you that these... Ta- don't ever, ever buy any tablets on the internet. How do you know what you're getting? You've got no idea what you're getting. Not a clue. You don't know where it's made. You don't know what the ingredients are. You look at the ingredients, you go, oh, yeah, you've got no idea what they are. And so people like her... I mean, she was stupid. She was stupid. But that's the, that's the big problem, isn't it? That's the big problem. That people don't see that. They want to look beyond it. I wouldn't mind, but this girl didn't even look fat. Didn't even look fat. So she goes from being a healthy girl to on a mortuary slab. And there's nothing more you can say about it. It's just tragic. Do not buy anything on the internet that claims you can lose weight. You've got no idea. It's like somebody coming up to you saying, oh, would you like to try this uh, white powder? Try, try, just eat, eat that. You wouldn't do that, would you? Well, some of you probably might. But here they've got all sorts of things. But the profit is huge. Profit is huge. One of them is called raspberry ketones. It's a herbal stimulant. Somebody died after taking 70 of these. Uh, 9.99 for 60 capsules. So that's a tenner for 60 capsules. Work out yourself exactly how much they're actually costing. Very dangerous. Don't buy anything on the internet that claims to help you lose weight or will make you drop dress sizes or whatever. The only way... Where do you think it's going to go? You, you, you take a tablet and, so, and the weight falls off. Where? What, you think all of a sudden your skin tightens up again, do you? Must be delusional. Of course it doesn't. If you want your skin to tight... But way, if I went on a, a diet and I just took loads and loads of just, you know, liquidised food and stuff like that, it'd be great. But where do you think all the excess flesh is going to go? You've got to do sit-ups, you've got to do running and everything just to tighten it all up again. Otherwise it just hangs there. Not a good look at all. Not a good look. Prince William has uh, finished his helicopter training early. He will spend six weeks at his side. At, sorry, at his side. Uh, well, he'll be there anyway. Uh, at his wife's side after she's given birth. Do you know, honestly, it's a bit of an old jolly, this royal family malarkey, isn't it? You get pregnant, you get six weeks off. Just sitting, doing what? Doing what? What do we reckon? Boy or a girl? Boy or a girl? Boy or a girl? I think a fridge freezer would be much better, wouldn't it? Far more useful than having another child. But there again, money is not their option. They don't need to worry about that. Lots of people have dressed up, sitting outside the uh, the Lindo wing. And uh, they're waiting for the child to come in. And some of them have dressed up in Union Jack outfits. I think it's there to get themselves on the television. They can't seriously walk about in this garb, can they? Well, they probably can, actually. But uh, one of the reporters went down there. There's one woman, Margaret Tyler, describes herself as the royal family's biggest fan. She says it's like a party. No, it's not, dear. A party's got jelly and ice cream and a magician. And did you notice that magician on Britain's Got Talent? Everybody's raved over him. Simon Cowell raved over him. And then the Daily Star did a spoiler the other day. And they went, oh, he's only using a £10 trick. <laughs> As a, you know, it was such a weak front page. I was going to write to the editor and go, you must be really desperate for something to write about. Of course it was only a 10 quid trick. It's called Card Toon. And anybody can buy it. But it's, it's doing it so that it looks effortless and you show somebody like Simon Cowell and he puts you through. That's the whole idea about magic. You don't want to know how it's done because that you go, oh, is that it? You go, far better. You come away going, oh, my God, far better. You know, one of the one of the boys in the office was saying to me yesterday that somebody took a £10 note, folded it up. He said, in front of my eyes, he said, literally less than a foot away, folded it, unfolded it. It was a £50 note. He said, I swear to God, he said it was filmed as well. 
I think it was on LBC. He said, I think when, when Dynamo came on, he said, and you couldn't see anything at all. I said, well, you wouldn't. That's the whole art of being a magician. The art I have is telling you the time properly. It's uh, 4.30. Steve Allen on LBC. 28 minutes to five. Julie Peasgood's up early this morning. But you know, I was only talking about Julie Peasgood the other day. Seriously. And, and this year we've gone all Christmassy. <laughs> She says, uh, uh, wise words, as always. She says, a friend ordered raspberry, I think it's pronounced ketone, uh, for a fiver, and they charged her £75 every month thereafter. It's just, it's just ridiculous. Julie, of course, doesn't have an ounce of fat on her at all. She'll be laughing now. I'm on my way to Turkey with my pal Karen Attenborough to interview Dame Kiri Takanawa for Anzac Day. What a lark. <laughs> does sound like a lark, doesn't it? You have a nice flight. Oh, God, it's early, isn't it? Actually, not for us. Somebody was saying the other day, somebody, I think Clemmy Moody, went on to talk to Susanna Reid, my new best friend, and uh, and she said, much admiration for people who get up at that time of the morning. I thought, there's a whole world of us out here who get up at this time of the morning. There's, I mean, seriously, I walk in this building, there's, you know, Imran downstairs, Dan will be coming in later to do some coffee. He, he's our barista in our coffee shop downstairs. And as I was leaving yesterday... Elliot said, who, who works on one of our sister stations, he does, he gets all the teas and the coffees and he's sort of like a, a gopher for a, for a few different stations here. And, uh, and Dan went, come on, come on, have a look. And they've, they've uncovered early Steve Allen pictures. Because Dan said, I was talking to my girlfriend about you. He said, and we were looking at old Steve Allen pictures. I said, don't go onto YouTube. You can find Steve Allen doing breakdancing. But my cutest one is Steve Allen with a snow leopard. That That is the cutest one. That is the cutest, cutest ever. And sadly, as you know, uh, the snow leopard died. It had a, a, a brain hemorrhage. But it was it was like holding a, <coughs> excuse me, holding a giant ball of cotton wool. And it's, it, you know, if ever you wanted one, you'd go, I want one of those. I want one of those. You, you couldn't keep it anywhere, but it, would, it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So that, that's on YouTube. So I said, go onto YouTube and you can find lots and lots of of Steve Allen videos and stuff like that, taken from all over the place. Uh, 84850. Some of my strawberry flowers are looking more sorry for themselves than the other healthy ones. Should I deadhead? No, no, just just leave. You are watering because if they're in a basket, aren't they? They're in the basket. So what you have to do is you have to make sure they do get lots of water because everything at the moment is drying out. Everything is drying out, and strawberries are no different. They do dry out fairly quickly, and if they're in a basket, they can't. The roots can't spread to go and get as much water as they would do. So it's okay. It should be okay. I wouldn't worry about. I mean, if you really feel necessary, then cut the flowers off, and then wait for new ones to sprout, which undoubtedly they will, and then just wait for the bees to arrive. And once the once the bees arrive, then you're all there, and you should start getting things. I'm going to put in uh, my hanging baskets. They've been ordered. And I think this weekend, I might... We've got afternoon tea on Friday. There's a group of us going out for afternoon tea at a London hotel, which we're very much looking forward to doing. So uh, that'll be on Friday. Saturday, I think, I might go out. And I might start getting some of the bedding plants in. Might start doing that so we can start filling things up. Because I'm, I'm working on the assumption, rather misguidedly, that we might actually get some uh, some good weather. Whether it's on the turn, I don't know. Yesterday was lovely, wasn't it? Absolutely glorious. So I've sort of adjusted my wardrobe accordingly, which you need to do. 84850, uk, And um, Ian, in service, no need for me to die, as I've got the body of a Greek god statue. In other words, most of my bits have dropped off. I know the feeling. I know the feeling. 
84858. Did you see the, uh, the the lovely picture of the paper of the gangster in Spain who was caught? They just went to his bungalow, his little bungalow, and arrested him. So uh, he'll be spending time in prison. Uh, Arge in the papers before. And uh, he says, I've been eating healthily using a company called. And then he tells you. And you think, yeah, that's obviously some free company. As I say, if you want to, don't take any notice of celebrities. Don't, and even minor ones, such as poor little Arge. Because if he didn't lose weight, he wasn't going to be invited to a certain wedding. Good, isn't it? Uh, there's an underpant addict called Kurt Armand. Kurt splashes out 40 quid a, a week on Calvin Klein boxers. He's got 365 in 12 months. It's a £2,000 annual cost. And he says, for the first time in a year, I must up the courage to wash them. So he's got his, uh, you know, that's as ridiculous as somebody wearing a different pair of socks every day, ladies and gentlemen, as you well know. God, we don't know anybody like that, do we? Well, not that we're prepared to talk about this morning. On the subject of uh, crocodiles, uh, Ian says, was he called Elvis as he was caught in a trap? The old ones are the best. Unfortunately, we're only going to get the old ones this morning. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. You don't like Greville Janner, do you at all? I don't think there's, any, there's no support within the, within the public sector, within the, uh, within the private sector. He obviously has his supporters and his family and things like that. But out in the real world, where people, people just don't believe him, they just don't believe him at all. I've never read uh, such things. And on the internet... There are campaigns which seems to be growing. Not that it's going to make any difference. But, uh, but the papers need to ask, who, who certifies you with dementia? I mean, I have to ask the question, is it possible to fake dementia? I know it's possible to fake illnesses, because people get away with it on their benefit fraud sheets almost on a daily basis. But could you fake something like dementia? Would it be easier to sit there and they go, OK, can you recite these three numbers backwards? And you go, you just stare into the distance and go, 27... 94, 8. And you just leave it like that and they go, that's it, you've got dementia. I mean, what is the test? One of them was that he couldn't open a door. Well, how does that work? Because I thought dementia comes and goes, doesn't it? Well, let's, let, let's get him into court whilst he's normal in the real world. Because you're, you're, you're not enjoying this and the politicians are not either. Because a lot of them are going, if they've got any sense, something stinks quite badly here. So here he is, Dan Osborne will not be returning to uh, to Towie. The bosses have finally axed him. The show chiefs last night said his earlier suspension was being made permanent. Uh, they've decided he will not be returning to the show. We wish him luck in the future. This is the nasty Dan Osborne who phoned up his ex-girlfriend and called her every name under the sun and threatened to stick a knife in her. Well, the moment that was made public and the moment the sun put it on the front page and you could hear what he was actually saying. I mean, presuming it's not a sound alike and they've obviously investigated this, then uh, he has to be dropped immediately. And uh, what, a, what a strange way to end a career. I say a career, a laughing career, I'm afraid. His, uh, his girlfriend, current one, who has a child with him, like the ex one, he just seems to have a bit of a history, uh, is standing by him. Foolish girl. Very foolish. And uh, anyway, I mean, what he said about Megan... I cannot even repeat on this programme. The language is too vile, too disgusting. Uh, when she tells him to leave and calls his behaviour disgusting, he says, uh, why are you so proud of yourself? You've broken my family. And then I think his father laid into her as well. Obviously quite a despicable pair. But uh, he denied he'd ever been violent to a woman. Jacqueline Josser said she was standing by him. Then he took to Twitter to insist he wouldn't be taking part in Towie's Marbella special because he'd be on holiday. No, you've been ditched, mate. You've been dropped, which actually is the right decision. 
So, uh, as if you're going to turn down something like that to go on holiday. Very shortly, you're going to be signing on, aren't you? Or at least bankruptcy. Because I can't see anybody wanting to take somebody on who makes these vile threats to a woman. I, really, it is absolutely unforgivable. In one clip, he says, if Megan has sex with another man, he will stick a knife in her. When she insists she's not bedded anybody else, he tells her to shut her, then use uh, vile words. I mean, really, what a revolting piece of work you are. Absolutely disgusting. I'm glad they've dropped you. It was a campaign that most people were, uh, were having a, a go at on the internet. And if you think you can resurrect a career after that one, pal, I think not. Loose women panellist Jamelia. She said the uh, high street shop shouldn't stock plus-size clothing. Sometimes poor old Jamelia is not the brightest penny in the box. Not the sharpest knife in the drawer. The lights are on, but nobody's home. The lift does not go to the top floor. She's quite a few sandwiches short of a picnic. In other words, I'm not saying she's thick, but she's doing a very good impression of somebody being thick. It's not the first time she's opened her mouth and we've gone, oh, for God's sake, keep your mouth shut, dear. You're making yourself look stupid. She says, I don't believe a size zero should be available. It's not a healthy size for an average woman to be. I don't believe they, the high street store, should be providing clothes for that range. But then, of course, she's had a Twitter, Twitter backlash. Josie Lawson wrote, lost all respect for Jamelia. Not that we ever had any. Not all people who are plus size live an unhealthy lifestyle. Yes, I mean, there are all sorts of reasons why, why some people are overweight. You know, it could be to do with hormones. It can be to do with uh, an imbalance. It could be to do with all sorts of things. You know, admittedly, somebody like Gemma Collins, because she stuffs her face. So we know what that is. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. More of your texts and uh, emails. As a train driver, says Sean, I work all kinds of hours around a 24-hour shift pattern. You'd be surprised what you see at 0300 in the morning. Want to come round here? Want to come round Leicester Square in the heart of London? You see loads of things. Loads of things. I mean, seriously, I mean, I think I've seen everything. I mean, actually, weeing in doorways is almost sort of par for the course. I've seen worse things I can't even discuss on the programme. Terrible, really. Uh, there was a story in the paper today of a woman who arrived in Los Angeles, 70-year-old, and she'd had uh, cocaine hidden in her underwear. Coca- I mean, uh, odd place to keep cocaine, but there you go. Some people are like that, aren't they, really? Uh, the other thing that we'll talk about uh, this morning, apart from Boris Johnson, who's going to be on LBC a little bit later on, Betty Willis, who's died at the age of 91, she designed something that I suppose has gone around the world. There can't be many people that don't know this image. There can't be many people that don't know the image. I mean, I didn't even know that somebody had designed it. But of course, I mean, with hindsight, I should have realised that was probably a very stupid statement to make. And she did. I'll tell you what, what, she, uh, what she did, just the other side of the news. Unless, of course, you've cheated and Googled it already. Because you might have done, I don't know. Uh, Helen Mirren... She likes appearing on things, doesn't she, Helen Mirren? Was this the one who didn't... Um, she didn't like people telling her that she was beautiful or she looked great or something like that? I think she revels in it. Absolutely revels in it. Uh, more on the Tory chief. Did he doctor Wikipedia? He says, no, he didn't. He says, no, he didn't. And it, it, it's fairly easy to find out who actually did it because you can see from which computer it's, it's emanated, these, uh, these sort of changes to Wikipedia. So not a difficult thing. So if Mr, if Mr. Shapps has... Uh, it's sort of saying, no, he didn't do it. It'd be very easy to check. Very easy to check. Also, uh, how to beat diabetes in the Daily Mail. This is not for people with diabetes. This is for people who could be prone to getting diabetes. Uh, also, the best drink after the gym, chocolate milk. How many times a kid have you had chocolate milk? Have you ever had Crusher milkshake? 
We used to have years ago Nesquik, but to be honest with you, you could never melt all the powder and it was basically sugar with a bit of colouring and a bit of flavouring in. But uh, if you get Crusher milkshake, which is the liquid in the bar, the chocolate one is delicious. I haven't had it for ages because it makes me a bit sick. It's, it's kind of worthwhile taking it to make yourself feel a bit sick because <laughs> there's nothing better than ice cold chocolate milkshake. And I used to do it years ago when we uh, went to sort of like a milkshake maker. Well, we used to call it a liquidizer, and you'd put in some milk. It's making my mouth go all dry now. And then you'd pour in some Crusher milkshake, and then you'd cut up a banana at the same time and a big dollop of ice cream. Blooming gorgeous it was. It was the best thing ever. And uh, But we didn't, because we didn't worry about calories. You know, when you're younger, you don't think about calories or whether you're going to get fat later. You just don't care about it. You just eat it. But that's what they've said now. After the gym, when you're at your sort of lowest, you need a bit of a pick-me-up. It's chocolate milk. Thank God. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, another one here. It says, good point about dementia diagnosis. False labelling with dementia used to shut up the elderly who complained in hospital and so-called care homes. But I don't know what it is. I don't know what... I mean, that cannot be the test, can it? Just not being able to recite three numbers backwards cannot be the test for dementia. Because, you know, it'd been quite nice to, so, you know, I'm quite sure there were journalists sitting outside Greville Janna's house waiting to see him wandering out to see what he's doing. Because if he's, if he's seriously appearing in the House of Lords and these are the decision makers in the country and he's got dementia, I don't want him in there. I don't want him in there at all, but why have they kept him in? Is it, is it closed shop? Is it a bit of a cartel? Who knows? Quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to five. It's nice to have your company. Really nice to have your company. I've noticed that as we, as we get ever nearer, and we do get ever nearer, the uh, the voting, and you'll be going out and voting, or not voting, but at least go out and do something on the paper. At least make some effort. Uh, now we've got the politicians' wives. And there's a picture today of, uh, of Nick Clegg's wife, who seems to be putting the heat under the opposition. These are her favourite dishes. It's food. She's apparently a secret food blogger. Uh, one of them is... Um, stewed lamb. Well, you know, I can't eat lamb. It just makes me quite ill. And she says it's her nine-year-old son's favourite dish. Is it guacamole or guacamole? Guacamole. Uh, Which is quite nice. It's just beaten up avocados, isn't it, I think. Uh, She also likes pasta with chorizo. She's Italian, you probably guessed this. And um, she says, my grandmother boiled the pasta in the tomato sauce itself. I thought my Italian friends would be horrified. But in the old times, this is how pasta was prepared so all of it so far I can cope with except the stewed lamb so I'm down with pasta with chorizo and guacamole but the other thing she has she says once your kids have tried this one mouthful and it will become their favourite dish what do you think it, don't anybody be sick this morning squid in its own ink oh no I don't think so she says whatever you do do not show them the inside of the squid nor the ink or they might be put off forever so in other words just serve it Squid in its own ink. It sounds disgusting. It sounds disgusting. But I can't comment, really, because I haven't actually tried it. I just wouldn't want to eat anything like that. I don't want to do so. In fact, even thinking about it makes me quite ill. Uh, How much do you think having a pretend monster adds to the economy in Scotland? 20 years ago, they estimated it was worth £40 a year. They now reckon it's worth about £60 So now... Uh, you can you can use Google to look for the elusive creature. The internet giant's maps normally show a yellow man symbol that allows users to zoom into Street View. But for Loch Ness, this has been replaced by a green monster giving access to photographs taken above and below the water. 
The Loch Ness expert, Adrian Shine, who has helped with the project, says it's been so cloaked in secrecy. When people asked about the ripples in the loch during the special diving expedition, he said, I had to say I had no opinion. Ooh, because there's nothing in there, you lying old so-and-so. <laughs> there is no Loch Ness monster. A lot of people talking about this, um, this male model who is uh, a maths teacher at University College. His name is Pietro Bosselli, and he looks like all male models. All male models go to the gym. They're all about six foot something tall, and they've got bodies to die for. In other words, I wish I had a body like this, but I don't. I don't. But then God gave me a voice, so at least I can have a radio programme. You'll probably find he's really dull and, and really dreary. Who cares? What would you rather have, a body and looks or a personality? <laughs> Body and looks every time. Body and looks every time. Uh, also in the papers today, more on the nursing chiefs on 400,000 a year. I wouldn't mind, but every picture of these grinning old bags really gets my goat. Really gets my goat. It really does. Um, superstar, no, but Ringo did save the Beatles. They were talking the other day about Ringo Starr being a superstar. And I said, no, he was just the second drummer in. He was sort of the one at the back who just sort of drummed. I don't think he was that particularly good at being a drummer. Perhaps he was better with his with his people's skills. Uh, but uh, as, as regarding drummers, no, not at all. Pete Best was better, wasn't he? Pete Best, definitely the one, I think. Uh, Zoe says, just YouTube Steve Allen breakdancing. Says, you've got the moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. I <laughs> don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think there's any moves there that you could ever... I mean, really, it's just the worst thing we've ever seen. Worst thing we've ever seen. There is the Trojan horse heist in the paper today, and it was a cunning plot to steal more than a million and a half pounds in gold bullion and jewellery using a flat-pack wooden cabinet as a Trojan horse. One of the thieves was to hide inside... The gang then planned to put real money in a briefcase and show it to a jeweller at a pre-arranged meeting before placing it on the floor. Then while the price was being agreed at a nearby table, the man in the cabinet would switch the case for one containing counterfeit notes. The gang, posing as wealthy Italians, would then walk off with their money and the stolen jewellery. But the three men and the teenager were seized when police swooped on a conference room at a hotel in Manchester and found them assembling the cabinet. Officers suspected similar scams have been carried out across Europe, costing businesses millions. At Manchester Crown Court, Luigi Acuro, 73, Nicolic Guiliano, 37, and Antonio Balestreri were each sentenced two years and eight months in prison. And there was a 17-year-old boy as well who can't be named for legal reasons. Uh, one of the men called himself uh, the uh, uh, Balestreri, called himself Mr Ferrari. Make of that what you will. Uh, both were well-dressed, wore Rolex watches and ordered 41 high-value items, including gold bullion and jewellery. Arrangements were made to uh, to meet somebody at the hotel where they put together this flat-pack furniture. And uh, and that's what he would do. There'd be a, a, a sort of like a, a cutaway in the front of this flat-pack. So they'd be having a, a discussion and they would just swap the suitcases over. Although how that would work, I don't know, unless they knew exactly what suitcase this bloke was uh, bringing Bringing back again. Who knows? Who knows? Either way, it uh, it resulted in going to prison. It's not very long, though, is it? Not very long for two years. Should have been ten. Should have been ten years. Uh, the cruise couple. Oh, I'll tell you about them later, actually. There is the story about the bosses today urged to harness the talents of older workers. Are you an older worker? They should. They should. Uh, they should. They should look after you more. Millions of job vacancies will go unfilled if companies continue to waste the talents of the over-50s. 
See, the over-50s have got their useful place in society, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know why. Age has become a funny thing, hasn't it? And yet recently in the papers, they've been telling us almost on a a daily basis, you know, look at so-and-so, Frida from ABBA. She's nearly 70. She looks amazing. And I think people do look so much better now. So much better. Jenny says, avocados, juice of a lemon, garlic, pita bread, egg on toast and bacon would be nice right now. Yes, I'm going out for breakfast this morning. I'm being taken for breakfast by the boss. I've said to him, it's not, I don't want to go to, last time I went to walk for miles. And I don't want to, uh, I don't want to walk for miles for my breakfast. But I've got this thing, I just want some toast and a couple of sausages. I have a feeling it might end up with being a little bit more, but that's at this precise moment in time. I might be thinking about that. And then I might be thinking about, mm, <laughs> something else. Uh, lots of fires over South Wales. Uh, this is uh, over the, uh, the Clydach Vale. In South Wales, I think something like 623 fires ravaged 600 acres of fields and woodland this month alone. And they've just arrested a boy of 11, of 11, among uh, among other children. Uh, they reckon it's cost half a million pounds to fight. Officers yesterday called on parents to report their children if they suspect them of lighting fires. Well, I should imagine if they've got children who light fires, the parents are going to be like-minded, aren't they? It does seem to be Wales gets the uh, the rough end of the stick here. The fire chief, Stephen Rossiter, said the natural terrain of mountains is very dangerous underfoot. The arrested 11-year-old was given stern advice. Well, I think prison, don't you think so? Or reform or something like that. I mean, quite clearly, if, if this one's a complete buffoon at the age of 11, he's only going to get worse. He's not going to get better, is he? He's definitely not going to get better. I'd be very surprised. So uh, who do you think Betty Willis is? Have you worked out Betty Willis and what she designed? She's died, design, uh, sorry, she designed something that is iconic and she's died at the age of 91. I didn't know who she was because it never crossed my mind that somebody would actually do that. Uh, Stuart says, why don't you write a book on gardening? You seem to know about the subject. Oh, I, I know about loads of things, but I couldn't, couldn't be qualified to write a book about gardening. I know lots of things. I'm lucky I've got one of these memories that retains... Tons of stuff. I've only got to look at something once and I've retained it in my memory and then it's regurgitated at a future date. I don't consciously go out of my way to think, oh, I must try and remember that. It's just automatically remembered. So sometimes you'll hear me say on the programme, in the back of my mind, I remember a story. And when we did the story the other day of the little eight-year-old boy with leukaemia who wanted postcards, and I said I thought there was somebody around Croydon Way. And I think it was Shirley, wasn't it? Some, around Croydon, Shirley and Croydon. And... Um, and he'd ended up with 350 million cards from around the world. And his name was Craig. I remember the Craig bit. And then we were filled in the rest by Michael Dennis. So I'm generally quite good at remembering things like that. But to be honest with you, footballers, pfft, I wouldn't give you thruppence for them. I can't remember footballers. Why would I remember footballers? I have no interest in football whatsoever. Not a thing. Um, a lot of people talking about food banks. And uh, I, was, I was trying to find out the other day whether or not food banks actually have some sort of criteria for checking that people do need the food bank as opposed to somebody who just goes in there and picks up cheap food. They do. They have a system, don't they? So you go in there and you have to sort of prove who you are so you can get a tin of baked beans or something. Right, you have to prove what your income is. Oh, right. Apparently Nick Clegg's wife is Spanish, not Italian. Spanish, Italian. <laughs> both the same, aren't they? They both eat chorizo. Uh, another one here. And she was talking about her Spanish, her Italian friends. So, yeah, I suppose she could be. Does it make any difference? Does anybody care? No, not really. Uh, listening on the app in San Francisco, uh, Ian says, with the stupid woman trying to get drugs into America, what a foolish thing to do. He says, good job it isn't Thailand or Malaysia. 
important and instant one-way trip to death row, something we should have implemented years ago. They Only over here can you get away with things like that. They seem to. The other day, they had loads of people arriving at Manchester, I think it was, um, and there was nobody to check them through immigration. They just walked through. Nobody was checking passports. Perhaps they were having a fag break or something. But you worry about things like that. In other countries, they're very strict on it. Very, very strict. Going in and going out. They want to make sure, you know, what you've got on your body is uh, is safe to be on an, on an aeroplane. And drugs are something they're really not keen about. Hence, we had those two drug-smuggling girls a while ago. Oh, they, they were told to do it, otherwise this had happened to them. A load of old codswallop. They were just plain and simple drug smugglers. And they got caught. As far as I'm concerned, you know, if you smuggle drugs in and they're worth a certain amount of money, death penalty. That's it. Why, why should you bring misery to other people? And there was that um, programme on the television, which looks, and I think it's border control in Australia. There, they have no messing about. If they suspect somebody's got drugs and they're quite good at doing it, uh, they're literally, you know, taken into, into a room. They're searched, or if they think they've swallowed, they take them to hospital. And uh, then they serve their sentence and then deported. They don't waste any time at all. Coming up to the news at five o'clock. The drug that reverses Alzheimer's, apparently. The guns blazing to mark the Queen's birthday. They were all over the country, except in the one place where she was, which is Windsor. The bookkeeper for Auschwitz begs for mercy how much he uh, he was involved in the uh, massacre of all the people in the death camps remains to be seen. Uh, the happy campers out for the baby. They've got these suits with Union flags all over them, which is good. Uh, Britain's most wanted is caught at his Costa Villa. Uh, Ed Sheeran and this homophobic language. The video has been pulled from the internet, quite wisely so. And the captain of the migrant disaster boat, as reported yesterday on LBC, has now been charged with killing 900 people. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. You're very welcome. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's Wednesday, the 22nd of April. Uh, the bookkeeper of Auschwitz in the papers today begging for mercy. He says he could have been morally guilty of 300,000 deaths at Auschwitz. Let the Bear Grylls mob on television catch a crocodile and eat it, even though it's protected, apparently. Uh, finally, Dan Osborne has been axed from The Only Way is Essex. Uh, he knew about it, but then decided on Twitter not to mention it. Once a liar, always a liar. Best drink after the gym? Chocolate milk. Bet they'd be thrilled to know about that one. Google is now joining the search for the Loch Ness Monster, which doesn't exist, so I'll save you the time and the trouble. And Ed Sheeran and the homophobic language. Was he really? All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning. Nice to have you company. Trust you well. Good weather yesterday. I'm sure that we can check and find out in a second exactly what the weather's going to be like for today. Just in case you were thinking as we get ever nearer the weekend. And they've said now, cloudier than Tuesday, but dry with sunny spells. So that's good. Dry, generally warm. Probably more cloud around compared to Tuesday. A noticeable breeze. That's good. I can cope with that. Helping to keep coastal areas cooler. Uh, Highs today, 15 centigrade. So we've dropped a bit from yesterday. At the moment, I think you'll find it's about uh, six or seven tonight. The patchy cloud, more widespread. Areas of mist. No rain, though. No rain was what I was thinking we were going to get. Thursday, predominantly dull and cloudy. Some areas of coastal mist and bright or sunny spells developing. Light onshore winds keeping coastal areas cooler. 
Sounds lovely, doesn't it? I like that expression. Light onshore winds. Friday through Sunday, Friday dry and bright, then increasing chance of showers or longer spells of rain. Sunshine and showers over the weekend, some heavy, perhaps thundery, probably becoming drier later on Sunday. So that's the weather forecast. That's not too bad, is it? You can just about uh, cope, just about cope with things like that. So here's the video clip of Ed Sheeran using homophobic language, which was pulled from the internet yesterday. The five-minute film featured the singer in a freestyle battle trading insults in off-the-cuff rap verses with fellow artist Devlin. I don't know who Devlin is, but I'm sure somebody does. Sheeran, who's got millions of young fans worldwide, uses the term gay in seemingly negative terms and labels him a faggoty man. Faggot, as you know, is a derogatory term for a gay man. Last night, the video was taken offline after the Mirror contacted the artist's record label. A notice on YouTube said that the uh, the clip was no longer available due to a copyright claim by WMG. WMG is his label, Warner Music Group. Ed's spokesman said Ed was sending up rappers who make homophobic remarks. He's clearly not homophobic. And two years ago, he hit out at anti-gay protesters outside a concert venue in Kansas. Anyway, this uh, embarrassing clip was shot on the streets outside an example gig and is thought to date back to the end of 2011. Ed, who can be seen clutching a pint of beer, claims to be drunk and in another verse goes on to make crude comments about a sexual thing. Uh, The star whose album sold more than a million copies last year raps Yo, I Freestyle to the Faggoty Man. He continues, I go to the bus and I sleep for a day, then I come back and they're like, Ed, you look like this gay. He adds, these guys are safe, they're not gay mans. Another couplet from uh, Sheeran states, I eat ham but I'm not a Muslim, but I freestyle because I'm not a Christian either. And then Devlin from Dagenham makes a number of tasteless remarks in his verses. Stonewall, of course. Not at all impressed by this. A spokesperson said homophobic language is a real issue in Britain and is an epidemic in the schools and it must be stopped. So this was a few years ago. And I'm sure that uh, perhaps when he did it, he wasn't aiming to be as big as he is now. But we don't need this kind of thing. Small wonder when the record company were told about it, they got it off the Internet as fast as they could. But not quick enough because they uh, they got it. And they were sort of checking it out. I mean, Stonewall say what some people see as banter can have a negative effect. So that was what uh, what they said about it. No comment from uh, from Mr. Sheeran. But you know, you'd, that's the last thing you need in this business. That is the last thing you need. That can that can kill a career quite quite quickly. So you must be terribly terribly careful. Eight four eight five zero Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, how about proposed ideas? Says Yogesh since no other effective solution had been suggested, to stop the the boat people. Very simple way to deter people travelling to Europe in boats. And uh, firstly, the pilots, instantly jailed for 10 to 15 years by the country where they arrive. That makes it difficult for master criminals to find pilots for the boats. Two, the boats get destroyed. That way it makes it too expensive for the criminals to afford new boats. And uh, for every one-way journey, hence deter deter people. I don't think you're ever going to stop it. I seriously don't. If they don't come in on boats, they'll come in in something else. You know, people cling to the underside of aircraft. There was one man, wasn't there, who actually smuggled himself on board an aircraft into the, uh, the landing gear. And so what happened was he was sort of waiting up there. The we- I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, it's, you, you take your life in your hands doing that anyway. You've got to be fairly desperate. So this thing goes up. And uh, the wheels fit snugly into a container. And they're electronic. They're, you know, they might hit something and then you'd have to move around to sort of fit in there. 
But he, he went in there without realising that, of course, the height they're flying, it's freezing cold. And so he froze to death. So when the, when the doors opened, he just fell out. Of course, you know, you're quite high up when they open the doors to bring the wheels down. But we've had people before who've been killed in the, uh, in the housing. So, you know, if they don't come in by boats, they'll come in by lorry, they'll come in by plane, they'll be smuggled in at different parts of the country. It's just, it's an impossible thing to police. It really is. And they've got people within the community who will, who will help them. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk to weave everything in. A lot of other people saying, you know, got the book, love it, love the book. My grandson's 12. He's a huge fan of Bear Grylls. Bear spent a lot of time showing you how to start a fire. This is where my grandson's fascination of fire has come from. We did it as well. Do you remember when you were, when you were younger and you'd be in the garden and we used to get two sticks and rub them together and we used to have stones. We had stones and I don't know what sort of stone, we called them fire stones. They might have been different, not tyres, but and you would crack them against each other and you would get sparks. And you've got a little bit of dried grass, not green grass, because it was um, it was too sort of watery. But we used to get this grass, it was sort of slight, slightly dead. And then you'd get these stones and strike them against each other and then whoosh, blow on it, hopefully to get a little fire going. The moment you'd done it, you'd achieve the objectives, so you put it out. So I understand that some people don't put the fire out, but uh, that's what we did. Uh, and that was without the help of Bear Grylls. It was uh, it was called survival. You know, people would do things for survival. Pictures of the paper today of the captain of the migrant disaster boat charged with killing 900. This is Tunisian Mohammed Ali Malek. I mean, he should feel heartily disgusted with himself. Uh, you know, he knows exactly what he's guilty of. He knew exactly what these people were, were doing there. And uh, so now he sailed from Libya to Europe. Uh, they say that the people paid about £2,000 each with the promise of gaining asylum in Italy. And of course, that's not been the case, has it? Not been the case at all. Uh, there's also the bug threat on grey squirrels. Grey squirrels have been found to be infected with a bacteria. Now, grey squirrels are the ones who wiped out the red squirrel. So now in certain parts of the country, they've tried to reintroduce the red squirrel. Because the grey squirrel, you don't want them in your loft. And we all go, oh, isn't that lovely, grey squirrels? They'll eat through your wiring. They're, oh, the mess they can make. Seriously, inside houses is just almost unbelievable. But I don't know if they're classed as a pest. I cannot remember if grey squirrels are, you're allowed to, uh, to get rid of, whether or not they actually capture them and then put them somewhere else. Uh, there was a, a lady, and there is a lady, called Chloe Napton. She's 21, and um, she sat at the wheel of a car one evening, and um, a man smashed a bottle through the car window. She's had three operations after the glass was left deep in her neck. She had cuts to her face and shoulder. She needed dental work. Her mum says she can't smile, she can't eat, so she has liquid food. Very deep wounds. She was attacked following a confrontation when a bicycle was left in the middle of the road. She stopped her car as her friend, who was driving in another vehicle in front, pulled up to move the bike. At that point, a man is said to have gone towards Chloe and smashed her driver's side window with a bottle, sending shards of glass flying all over her. She and her friend managed to drive off before calling 999. She dances on uh, cruise ships. Absolutely horrendous. This is in West Yorkshire. A motiveless attack. And uh, the police uh, later arrested a man who's been, uh, who's been charged. So there you go. There's a picture of her in the paper today. She looks absolutely awful, poor soul. Actually, talking of bicycles. Very angry yesterday. Second time running. Uh, you get on the train. It's rush hour. Because rush hour, I think, starts from early in the morning. Probably about seven or eight o'clock. 
and um, and bicycles are banned. Fold-up bicycles you can have on there, but not complete bicycles. And this woman who blatantly gets off at Twickenham with a full bicycle. I mean, it's disgraceful the way that people take up, you know, if they've got a bicycle, ride the blooming thing. Absolutely awful. It really drove me mad. Really got very angry about the whole thing. And uh, she turned around and looked at me. I thought, you can look, you can look, but we're right. You're not supposed to take your uh, your bike on the train. And I said to Brian, who works at Twickenham Station, looking after all the nice people there, some of them not so nice. I said, I thought they weren't allowed to take bikes. He said, they're not. He said, where did she get on? Waterloo. I said, I think so, yes. Oh, no, she didn't actually. She got on Clapham Junction because people had to move out the way so she could push her bike on. Selfish woman. Drives you mad, doesn't it? Drives you mad, things like that. Um, sex changes on the NHS are too easy. This is after a girl aged 10 plans to become a boy. I mean, it's, the, the danger is that you've got this gender rear reassignment, you've got to be so careful that the person is compassmentous and they know exactly what decision they're making. Because we've had people before, haven't we, who've had the operation and they've gone, oh, I don't like that now, I want to go back again. Or we had that ridiculous Josie Cunningham. Thank God she's disappeared from everybody's radar, disappeared completely. And uh, she was the one who wanted bigger breasts because she felt it was holding her back. So the NHS, rather unwisely, I thought, gave her bigger breasts. Then she decided she didn't want bigger breasts. And I'm saying, well, make her pay for them. Everybody else has to pay for things. It's just ridiculous that they, they sort of have these, these people. They turn up on the television, they turn up in the newspapers, and the next thing, they're milking the system. Uh, the only uh, were hey. Is Essex, apparently. Uh, Danny Cipriani is going for a reality TV double, as you heard on the programme yesterday. He's trying to date somebody from Made in Chelsea called Jess Woodley. She seems to have a lot of fake hair going on. Uh, he's, he's, he's been out with, with loads of people. So what they've actually done is they've sort of looked at all the, all the different reality show people. They're not all from, uh, from this country. Some are, some are from elsewhere. I mean, how many have you heard of? Ollie Locke. We've heard of Ollie Locke. That's the rather peculiar one. He used to have long hair in Made in Chelsea. Luckily, he's disappeared completely. Chris Pine, never even heard of. Uh, Jasmine Waltz, I think she's featured on some of my programmes. Caggy Dunlop, I can't believe anybody's actually called Caggy. It's almost like being called Binky, isn't it? It's quarter past five. Morning, everybody. Nick uh, on breakfast this morning. The latest election call on LBC, of course, with the London Mayor Boris Johnson. Was a very popular time. You can put your questions to the man David Cameron said could eventually lead the Conservatives. And it's the International Organisation for Migration state that if migrants continue to die at the same rate in the Mediterranean Sea, it could leave 30,000 dead in the next year. We're going to hear the shocking story of a mother and a young man from Eritrea. Plus, the schools minister, David Laws, joins Nick to say that the Lib Dems will guarantee at least inflation increases in public sector salaries. That's all with Nick Ferrari and the team after the news at seven. Looking at the papers with him this morning, Roger Alton, executive editor of The Times. That's all after the morning news with Lisa Aziz at 6.30. It's very interesting. Every time we mention the name Katie Hopkins, actually there are certain things that get people guaranteed to sort of rush for the, for the text and the tweets. You've only got to mention either Uber... In which case, he mentioned Uber. He's mentioned Uber, which, of course, is fascinating, seeing as uh, Beatrice, Princess Beatrice, that's the one who doesn't do a job at the moment. And apparently she's going. She's going to do a job. She's going to America. Sooner the better. And, um, and her boyfriend, Dave, who used to work for Richard Branson, is going to uh, work for Uber. I think he's driving or something. He's not really. And, uh, and so you mentioned Uber. If you mention Katie Hopkins, that also riles people up. But she does you know, get people going. She gets people going because she's talking sometimes an awful lot of sense. And in fact, today in the letters page to The Sun, I know she's a Sun columnist, but literally it's loads and loads and loads of letters agreeing. 
with exactly what she said when she was on LBC last Sunday. It was exactly the same. You might not agree with every single thing, but the majority of things, she's telling it straight on. She doesn't need to, to start making anything up or, you know, as some people say, oh, she's just doing it for an effect. She doesn't need to do that. She's not that sort of person, which hopefully you've now gathered. Alan from Clayhall said the stone Steve is flint. Yes, all I remember is we used to have these things and you'd strike them together and you'd get sparks off them. You're right, it probably could be flint. Probably could be. Uh, so here's a lovely picture of the Queen at 89. No sign of slowing down. Seriously, I mean, she's got to be the liveliest 89-year-old that we know, although we've seen some people a little bit older. And uh, then they had in Hyde Park the 41-gun salute. Uh, the Tower salute is 62 guns. 21 for the Queen, 20 because the Tower is a royal fortress, and 21 more because it takes place in the city. Uh, the Hyde Park salute is 41 guns, 21 for the Queen, and 20 for the fact it takes place in a royal park. Work that one out. Anyway, she's got two birthdays, April 21 and the official day, held on a Saturday in June, celebrated with Trooping the Colour, which is the flag. And so they have all this going on yesterday to mark her birthday, which must have impressed the tourists. Meanwhile, she's in Windsor. She's been down in Windsor for a month now. You'd have thought, what, what are you having these things in Hyde Park for? Go and do them down in Windsor. Make it more interesting for people. Uh, jailed in the paper today, the shameless benefit sheet around a drugs ring. This is Paul Doyle, who claimed incapacity benefit and income support after saying two heart attacks left him unable to leave home and work. Do you know, it's got to be that easy. You can get away with it for years. Get away with it for years. But he had put a £200,000 cash deposit on a home where neighbours included Premier League footballers. They must have realised that an ugly like him was certainly dealing in something particularly shady. And of course he was. He was running a multi-million pound drugs empire. He also got a £600,000 mortgage after claiming that his wife was a £200,000 a year company executive. So he's now been jailed for 16 years. <laughs> the judge says... He says, I'm quite satisfied you played a lead role in all of your offences. So there you go. But uh, he admitted supplying Class A and B drugs from 2012 to 2014, plus money laundering and benefits fraud. He'll face uh, a proceeds of crime hearing as well, which hopefully they'll just take it all back from him and uh, they can go whistle. There's no, there's no point in dealing with people like this. Lock him up. And they obviously think, you know, the, the crime is so severe that it's got to be 16 years got to be 16 years. I mean, you know, it's, when you read about these people, you think, you've only got to look at him to realise that, you know, there's something going on there. He's guilty. I think you could look at people and just tell. I think you could look at somebody and go, drugs. <laughs> Anne Whittacombe, in her column today, talks about the Queen. How does she defy the years? And the answer is, no idea. No idea. She appears to be shrinking. She does appear to be shrinking, but I mean, she's always looked immaculate, and so she should. She doesn't have to worry about doing her hair, getting up in the morning and sort of, you know, the hairdryer doesn't work or looking at the bills coming in and deciding that she hasn't got the money to pay for them. So uh, she has defied the years, as indeed did her mother, as indeed did many other members of the royal family. But Anne Whittacombe says Janna should have faced court earlier. She says if Alison Saunders were to resign from her post as head of the Crown Prosecution Service, then men falsely accused of sexual offences could hire a band and put the flags out. As I wrote on this page not long ago, she's weighted the system so heavily in favour of the accusers that men are condemned almost before they stand trial. However, she is utterly right not to prosecute Greville Janner, and if justice in this case is, is not to be done, then the fault lies firmly with her predecessors who refused to bring prosecutions on not one but three occasions. It's true. 
it's it's been three occasions which they missed. They should have done it a long, long time ago. This is, uh, as Anne knows, 22 people have come forward to make claims against Greville Janna. But uh, she says here, I have to admit that the dreadful Miss Saunders is right, even though there is some doubt about the extent of Janna's dementia. That's the, the question that I asked earlier on. I mean, how do we determine it? What is the... What is the deciding factor? And who is the person who decreed that he was so ill he couldn't stand trial? Who is that one person? Is it a friend of his? Who is it? Is it somebody nominated? How does that work? Have the courts challenged it? Have the newspapers challenged it? Have MPs challenged it? Has anybody challenged it? What, do they just bring somebody forward? He goes, I've, I've written a note here. Yes, he's suffering from dementia. End of story. I think we need a little bit more concrete proof. I think, because this is serious. This isn't, this isn't just sort of one, one you know, mild thing from years ago. This is, this is 22 separate, you know, cases. People who've come forward and made, uh, made claims. 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. And we shall uh, put everything to everybody this morning. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here, as we weave everything onto the programme. Uh, this is uh, John. He says, we've just been coming through the worst storm on record in Sydney. It's been going on for three days. There are still five cruise ships sitting outside the harbour in 10 metre waves. Too dangerous to enter. Yes, I mean, th- there is that problem. They have to stay offshore, don't they? So they, they can't actually come in. John's in uh, Manly Beach in Sydney, as you know by now. So that's the interesting thing is that there's people sitting there bobbing up and down, or not, as the case may be. I thought it was interesting yesterday, you know, that tsunami that we thought was going to occur, and they said, oh, you know, metre-high waves. I'm thinking three foot, but then the other one started like that. And then this one uh, burnt itself out quite quickly, so it went from being a potential tsunami to, no, it's all fine. It's Well, I say fine, it's as fine as it can be. Certainly it wasn't going to be as bad. As, uh, as it appeared to be. 84850, uk. The bookkeeper of Auschwitz is 93. This is Oskar Gröning, who stopped short of confessing legal guilt, saying he was simply a clerk at the death camp. Prosecutors claimed that his job documenting the cash and valuables taken from victims to help fund the Nazi war effort should mean that the former SS sergeant should be jailed. There's no... There's no argument from him over whether he uh, he actually worked at Auschwitz. Yes, he definitely worked at Auschwitz. We've got all the uh, the photographs. He's now white-haired and frail, but that shouldn't make any difference at all. What difference should that make? So he's a widowed father of two. Uh, Auschwitz survivors and relatives of those murdered at the camp packed into the court for what is expected to be one of the final Nazi war crime trials. You know, to actually come face-to-face with somebody who is now an old, decrepit, pathetic waste of space... And what he did through his job, he defended and supported the machinery of death. I mean, what he did, he sorted the banknotes. So he helped the Nazi regime benefit economically. And he must stand trial for it, whether he's got dementia or whatever. He has denied charges of complicity in 300,000 murders, saying he witnessed mass killings but did not take part. He faces up to 15 years in prison if convicted. It's not a lot, is it? But, I mean, he's, he's not likely to see it out. It's not likely to see it out. He denied any uh, active part in killings or torture, but uh, he did say uh, that he saw fellow officers lock a group of Jews in a converted farmhouse, put on a gas mask and pour the contents of a can down a hatch. He said, that's the only time that I participated in gassing. I don't mean participated, I mean observed. 
So he said he didn't do anything else, but he did. He was he was complicit in so many things. And he's about one of the last ones, I would think, unless the Simon Wiesenthal organisation are, are still chasing other people. It's always a, a big surprise to me when, when they go through and they eventually track somebody down and it's taken them years and years, but it was, it was worth the wait. This case, the man's 93. doesn't make any difference how old he is. Uh, he worked at Auschwitz. He was complicit in the deaths of 300,000 people because what he was doing was taking their money and their valuables and giving it to the Nazi war effort. So he must pay for his crimes. It's 5.30. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 29 minutes to 6. It's Wednesday morning in London town. After yesterday and that exciting picture of Abba's Frieda looking great at 69... They've decided to uh, to fill a page in the Express today, looking at the popsters from that period to see how well they are faring. And one of them is Marie Osmond. I've met Marie Osmond. She looks fantastic. And they're always so beautifully turned out, the American. They really are. I think the British are turned out quite well, but not as good as the Americans. And uh, Olivia Newton-John, you know, now looking, you know, great at 66. A friend of mine... Paul wrote to me from Vienna going, I can't believe you spoke to Olivia Newton-John. Uh, Susie Quattro is 64. I mean, she just doesn't look 64. And I don't think she trowels on the makeup at all. Uh, Kiki D, good Lord, she's 68. She doesn't look any different. Kiki D has been in for In Conversation. Uh, Debbie Harry, she's 69. She's looking a bit 69. <laughs> looking a little bit like 69. But uh, Joan Jett... She's 56, but I mean, but the big surprise, well, not big surprise because I've met her, but you never think about people's ages. When you meet somebody, I don't think, oh, they're 65 or they're 62. I just really don't think about it. So Olivia Newton-John looks absolutely beautiful, but I suspect she's had some work done. Marie Osmond looks fantastic when you consider her, her life style. Um, the girls from ABBA look good. No, they do look good. But Kiki D looks amazing. Kiki D looks amazing. For a woman who's two years away from being 70, blimey, I want to look like that. Well, not quite like that, because orange doesn't kind of suit me. And Susie Quattro at 64 looks fantastic. It must be these healthy lifestyles. There's a lovely picture, uh, piece in one of the papers today about Roger Daltrey, who says that he's never actually taken uh, drugs or anything like that. His kids don't do drugs. He's, he's sort, of, sort of banging the drum for for people leading a healthy lifestyle. Because I think the Who are going out on tour again, aren't they? I think. Well, I say the Who are going out. There's only two of them. Only two of them. Um, Steve says, Noreen, horses and gun carriages going to Hyde Park for the gun salute. Proud to be British. What's your money on the royal baby arriving? They wanted today, didn't they? Well, they wanted yesterday. I think pe- people saying it would be nice if it arrived yesterday. Well, that didn't happen. I don't know when it's going to arrive. I mean, I really don't know when it's going to arrive. I can't even work out the sex fit. I was thinking, should I go and put some money on it being a boy? And then I thought, no, it'll turn out to be a girl. And then I'll just get uh, I'll just get a little bit upset with myself because I haven't actually got it right. It's only a 50-50 shot, and I shouldn't imagine the odds are that exciting. But, uh, but still, people will be excited by it. It would have been nice if it arrived on the same day as the, uh, as the birthday of Her Majesty. Don't you think so? I think so. That would have been a nice surprise. And then uh, Granny could have had another picture taken. She could have marked it like a double one, really. Just like a double one. Uh, another one here. Oh, they're, they're talking about uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. And they say that Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin separated almost a year before announcing their conscious uncoupling. I don't really know why they're so fascinated 
Why are we so fascinated with sort of people's love life? Why are we so fascinated with, you know, whether they're going out, whether they're not going out? Does it, does it really make any difference? Does it really make any difference? The answer is no, of course it doesn't. It doesn't make any difference at all. It's just that it fills up newspaper columns and people are, are so interested in what people's love life is like. They're also interested in, uh, in the Broadway cast. Now, whether this story has any foundation, I don't know. But you do know that when you watch The Voice, the few of you that are still suffering with this dreadfully dreary programme, um, you always see William on there, who is texting William is always texting. He sits there texting all the time. And I've got friends who text all the time. It's a, it's a really... It's, it's, it's something that takes over your life. When you're sitting for dinner with somebody and they start texting. There should be a rule, actually, that nobody texts while they're at dinner. You have to tur- turn the phone off. I'm going to insist that on Friday. I don't think it'll work because, I, because everybody's in the media who's actually going. So I know damn well that somebody's going, to be, uh, somebody's going to be using their phone at some point. But anyway, the story is that Madonna goes to a show. She turned up 20 minutes late to the hip-hop musical Hamilton. And uh, and you think, as far as I'm concerned, you turn up late, they don't let you in at all. I think you know, if you're too rude to turn up on time, it's just it's just offensive. It's offensive to the to the cast on stage. Anyway, apparently she then annoyed the audience and the cast as her phone, her mobile. She'd um, she'd turned off the the ring, something I could learn, but uh, unfortunately. She she let it light up. So every time it lit up, you know, you're distracted. You're watching something on stage. And out of the corner of your eye, you can see that somebody's phone's lit up. And she kept texting back. And people were getting very, very angry. One of the cast members, the creator and star, Lin-Manuel Miranda, tweeted, Tonight was the first time I asked management not to allow a celebrity uh, who was texting all through Act 2 backstage. Uh, he later deleted the message. But it was obviously aimed specifically at her to say, listen, I don't want her back there. She's just really annoyed. It doesn't matter whether it's Madonna. Couldn't care less. It's just rude. Just rude. She denied she sent text during the show. But uh, other people were saying that uh, she did. She did. And uh, she was texting and then she was getting out of her seat and all the rest of it. They do that. They seem to have almost like St Vitus's dance, these people. They go to the theatre and people cannot sit still, even though it's only for a relatively short period of time. They have to be texting. They have to be doing something. Great story about... um, why Why did I find that one? It was a story about Shoreditch, actually. I don't know why I got a story about Shoreditch. It was something going on in... Oh, I know. I've just remembered it's Michael Dennis, the black cab poet. He's doing something in Shoreditch, which reminds me to tell you that Shoreditch, I, I would have driven through the other day on that disaster coming back on, on the M11 on Sunday, as you all know, which was so awful. And a friend of mine said, because he works for another one of our radio stations, he said, um, he said, but you would have gone through Shoreditch. I was waiting for you to mention Shoreditch. And I said, did I go through Shoreditch? Whatever it was, I shan't be going that side of London again for ages and ages and ages. Mainly because it was full of roadworks. It was just frustrating. It was, it was the most frustrating thing I think I've ever done in Asia. So I thought, no, I'm not going to do it again. I'm definitely not going to do it again. Uh, more in the, uh, in the papers today. The shops who don't want real shoppers. How many people use shops? I know we all do, but do you order as much from real shops as you do for for things online because yesterday I came in and I had five parcels from Amazon admittedly even I thought it was fairly excessive and Courtney 
who has to look after these things for me. He always sends me a message going, you've got a huge box, which I've left upstairs for you. The time I got up there, there was another five parcels added to it. And it was uh, it was things that I'd ordered when I'd got carried away on Amazon. You see something, you think, oh, I'll, I'll watch something on the television. And I think, I better have that. I need to have that. If, if they're advertising it on the television, I want it. I don't want to miss out. And so I ordered all these things. And when I actually opened the parcels yesterday, I thought they were rubbish. <laughs> some of them, well, I can't even tell you what some of them were, but they were just a little bit silly. They were things that I definitely, definitely didn't need at all. But I took them home, so I staggered home with these things, including an air purifier. And a friend of mine said, what have you got that for? I said, I've always had an air purifier on at home. I use one all the time. It's a, it goes back to the days of when I, when I used to smoke. And I needed an air purifier to actually uh, keep the air turning around to make it a little bit better. And he said, why? I said, well, I don't know. I just do. I can't think of any logical reason why I need this thing. But I bought it and it was, it, it's quite big. So I put it on yesterday and it's got an ionizer in it. Whatever that is. I don't know what an ionizer is either. But anyway, all I get is now loads of text messages from Courtney going, there's more parcels arrived. Even he said it was quite a lot, even by my standards. But uh, I do get carried away when I order online. So that's why when, when people say, you know, do you use the high street anymore? Well, there's not really a lot to shop for in the high street unless you're going to Poundland because you, you've actually got uh, mainly coffee shops, haven't you? Mainly coffee shops in the high street. In fact, every time I sh- it's either that or a hairdresser. Hairdressers open up all over the place. We've just got another one opening in Twickenham, but they're still trying to, uh, to do the roads. But we, we've got co- well, I think we've got every single coffee shop and then some. And then some. We've got all of these things. And uh, we use them. I mean, they must be making money, mustn't they? Otherwise, they wouldn't be taken over the high street. But it does seem to me that every time a shop becomes vacant, in goes a Costa or a Starbucks or a Nero, whatever it happens to be. And people seem to like it. We seem to like paying for overpriced coffee. And uh, I got a free one the other day. So that always, that always makes me feel a little bit better about life. You know, they go, oh, you've got a free coffee. You're entitled to a free coffee. And you get quite excited, don't you? You sort of go, wow, it's like a free gift. I never turn a free gift down. I love a free gift. It doesn't matter whether it comes from a, a coffee shop or anybody else. I absolutely love things like that. Absolutely love it. Uh, poor old Pat has got a bit of a thing going with, a, with an airline. And she says, I'm having a bit of a dispute. And um, I know that uh, Neil had a problem with BT, which, uh, which we sort of helped him out a bit. I don't know who we know at, uh, at BA who can help you out on this one. Uh, I'll leave it with me. I'll see if I can. I'll see if I can rack my little brains and think of the person who can help you out. Because whenever we get big companies, they don't like bad publicity. They'll always try and go the extra mile to try and help people out of a out of a situation. In this particular case, I'm sure it's something that could be sorted out quite quickly. Well, I hope so. Anyway, I hope so. Uh, I can't tell you today, but I will tell you tomorrow who's going to be with us for in conversation. For, for this weekend, because every Sunday morning between 5 and 6 a.m. it's in conversation. Two well-known celebrities will be dropping in to talk about a book, a film, a play or their life. And uh, then hopefully one of the papers lifts the interview like the Mirror did last week with um, with one of my interviews, which I was quite pleased about, actually. I didn't actually get a name check, but I don't mind that at all. I can I can live with things like that. And um, so between 5 and 6, we'll have in conversation with two celebrities repeated between 9 and 10 on Sunday evening. And uh, and then you can download it just after that as well. And I'm live every Sunday morning between 6 and 8 with the Sunday early breakfast show just before Stig comes along. Uh, EasyJet's flight's been cancelled. 
Um, this is their uh, their new system, the budget airline EasyJet, of charging people £10 fee for proof that their flight was cancelled. The charges came to light when customers sought to claim money back from travel insurers after French air traffic strikes affected flights early this month. They were asked to provide an airline letter confirming the cancellation, but EasyJet told its uh, hard-hit passengers to pay a £10 fee. The Association of European Airlines confirmed last night that no other airline has attempted to charge for this and said customers should not be charged. However, EasyJet say the administration charge for the letter is applied because each letter has to be individually researched and created for each passenger. Because you pay for everything now, don't you? It's like booking fee on theatre tickets. You pay so much for the ticket and then there's a £3 booking fee on top. And what's that? That's just another way of them taking more money from you. That's all it is. It's all they say, oh, it's a box office booking fee of £3. And then on top of that, there's a £5 handling and delivery charge. And you think, so in the end, your sort of £40 uh, concert ticket, if you can even get one at £40, are sort of rocketed in price because you've got to pay all these extra charges. For somebody actually answering a telephone, you, you pay for that. You pay for that. And so uh, I always think, I think people are being a little bit cheated. If it's only a small charge, it's it's OK. It's OK. Uh, lovely pictures of Buckingham Palace and uh, and all the uh, all the nice things. And uh, Noreen and Bryant having tea at the Ritz. Very pot. Everybody loves tea. This is the latest thing. I promise you, this is the latest thing to have. Not just in London. It goes around the country. All the big hotels offer afternoon tea. And I promise you, as, as a bit of a treat... For yourself, you should you should take up the advantage. You should take up the offer of these things because it's a great way of doing it. Great way of doing it. Mark says, hearing you talk about buying things you see on television, don't really need, puts me in mind of a Neil Young song, Neil Young song called "Piece of Rubbish," basically. And he says, check it out. Always makes me laugh. It is true though, isn't it? I've I've been fooled before by stuff that I've I've bought on television. You go, oh, I'll buy that, and I think, no, don't don't buy it. Please don't buy it, Stephen. I have to start talking myself out of it. Because whenever you take something home, you're supposed to. If you take something home, get rid of something. And I might eventually have to have some sort of some sort of clear out, or fail, or failing that. I think I have to. Um, I have to sort of think of some way around. Perhaps I've won the lottery. Who knows? I've noticed. Uh, I've had a couple of emails from uh, Camelot saying that the ticket you bought for last night has uh, has proved uh, worthwhile. I thought, oh, good. That'll be nice. Uh, inside the paper today, Simon Cowell has fought back. I'll tell you why he's fought back in a moment. It's quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Ten to six is the time as we race through the week. And it's going to be all good until we get to the weekend. And then a little bit of rain, which will stop us having to worry about how much it's cost to clean the car. The amount of dust we seem to be getting. Do you get dust where you are? Every morning I look at the car and think, there's another layer of dust all over it. Quite ridiculous. Um, we, were, we were talking um, a short while ago about the DVD That Day We Sang, which you know is out, Victoria Woods, and we talked to Victoria Wood about it on the programme the other week. And uh, I've got a copy, courtesy of, uh, of Mark Collins. Thank you very much indeed. And every time I look at the picture on the front, it's, uh, it's just a great picture of Imelda Staunton. Because she's obviously riding on the crest of a wave at the moment. She, re- I mean, she's absolutely... Everything she seems to touch is turning into gold. I mean, she's been fantastic for years, but all of a sudden, she's literally had hit after hit after hit. And, uh, and it's a super piece, it really is. I shall look forward to seeing that again. And then I was uh, reminded uh, by a guy called Alan Tompkins. Um, uh, Alan uh, worked within the 
film industry, and he worked on loads of films. I mean, there wasn't really much that he didn't seem to work on, uh, including things like Lawrence of Arabia. He did Cleopatra, Doctor No. Now, Cleopatra must have been here, which was the one that they abandoned, and they ended up selling the set onto the carry-on team. That's why the carry-on Cleo was the most elaborate set they'd ever had, because it was the one built for Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor, who fell ill most of the time. He also did Summer Holiday. He's worked, I mean, worked on everything. You know, Battle of Britain, all my favourite films. Bridge Too Far, The Empire Strikes Back, Victor Victoria, Memphis Bell, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Anyway, he has a book out called Stars and Wars. It's a very clever title. Very clever title. And so celebrating 50 years in both British and Hollywood cinema... It's uh, published, I think it's out now. I think you can find it. Stars and Wars by Alan Tompkins. It sounds lovely, actually, and he's, he's worked on all, these, uh, on all these lovely films. Some great memories there. Some great memories. And uh, I'm always pleased with things like that. And then he uh, also was talking about sort of the Jedis and, and all, the, all the pictures that he took. Super stuff. Thank you very much indeed for that. Julie P's good. He says, um, I'm by Dior. Need to go back to Boots. She can't stop spending money. It's hopeless. She's she's going uh, going away. They're going away to interview Kiri Takanawa. Very nice indeed. Uh, eight four eight five zero. Oh, Steve at LBC Les says I can't drink coffee. Jenny, you're very lucky. One of our other fellow presenters here. She, she uh, I open my coffee bag. I have these coffee bags which I order in bulk, about one hundred and fifty a time because I like a cup of coffee in the morning and I like a nice cup of coffee. So uh, I and she and she as I opened the bag, she didn't see me open it. She went. What's that smell? She said, oh, that smells like ground coffee. I said, it is ground coffee, but it's a coffee bag, like a tea bag. And she went, oh, so I gave her, gave her one. And uh, she seemed quite happy, so she's having that later. Bit of a treat there. I haven't told her where we hide them, otherwise she'll be there. Anyway, Simon Cowell is in the papers this morning. He's hit back. Mind your own business, he said, to all the people uh, who have said that he's exploiting animals on Britain's Got Talent. Uh, the latest one being, of course, Wendy the Talking Dog. Now, as you and I know, Wendy the Talking Dog does not talk. Wendy is a proper dog, but the uh, man who manages her is a ventriloquist. And what she has is, uh, well, that they say it's a fake nose and tongue attached to the dog like a muzzle and operated by the, uh, the man Mark using an electronic handset. Now, I've seen these before. Not on dogs. I've seen the one on humans because I think uh, quite a number of people have used them before. In fact, I think one was used at the Royal Variety Performance some years ago. And it had a little plastic thing, but obviously they've now improved the system. Hundreds of viewers complained to ITV and Ofcom that it was cruel. The RSPCA said they would ascertain what methods were used. It's taken them a long time to come back with that. Perhaps they're just a bit busy making television programmes at the moment. Um... But um, it's, it's interesting. He says, we saw the dog after the show and she was happy. Well, they might be. But that doesn't, that doesn't answer the question, does it? It might not be happy when it's got this thing on. You know, something is clamped onto its face and then that moves by itself. And they're thinking, what the heck's going on here? You know, and then when you take it off, of course, the dog looks happy. It's gone. Phew. That's a really got through that one. Got through that one. So, you know, you've got to be a little bit careful. I mean, we know that there is a lot of real animal cruelty in the world. And uh, he says that that's what people should focus on. He says, speaking in Best magazine, the mogul added, the mogul, honestly, I love it, they call him a mogul now, the singer shouldn't have to stick to X Factor. He said, you can't stop singers coming on Britain's Got Talent. And I don't want to. In fact, the shows are very competitive because they have different producers. Still the same thing. You've got singers who appear on the X Factor and singers who appear on Britain's Got Talent. Although most of the Britain's Got Talent appear, to appear not to be Britons. 
and uh, they're circus acts that they've taken from around Europe. This this vent act with, with the dog has been touring Europe for Asia. I think he's got a residency in France. So they're nothing to do with Britain, so I don't understand why they're not answering that question. I would like to know from the RSPCA if they've got the time, but of course they won't have, they'll only do it when they feel like it, uh, to find out what how this thing fixes onto the dog. Can we can we actually see it done just to sort of alleviate people's people's anxiety because they do get um, they do get very anxious when they see something like that and he's quite right the dog would be happier afterwards because it had done what it was paid to do it was you know it was it was paid to to entertain people and people laugh at it and go now that clever but in fact it's just something I could probably do it to the producer you just buy a face mask with a little sort of electronic magnet thing inside which can't be much fun and it moves up and down in the mouth then operates. That's how it is. Alison Phillips, writing in the Mirror today, talks about uh, the Jana case. She says it gets sicker. I'd thought it would be impossible to top the national disgrace of no one in authority getting round to bringing suspected paedophile Lord Jana to court for 30 years, only then to discover that the peer who won't stand trial because he's apparently too sick with dementia signed a letter 12 days ago saying he should remain in the House of Lords. These are people who make decisions for the country. It's the House of Lords. So either A, the whole dementia thing is a simple con to safeguard a man accused of 22 sexual offences of almost 20 years, or B, we're happy with our nation's laws being decided by someone who doesn't know what day of the week it is. She's quite right, actually. It is either the choice of, of A and B. I mean, how on earth can you have him in the House of Lords when, if he doesn't know what day of the week it is and he can't open a door, he's making decisions that affect this country? Either way, she says, it appears that once again the British establishment is safeguarding its own. Like his House of Lords colleague, Leon Britton, it seems Lord Janna will be untried in court and will shuffle off this mortal coil with his reputation legally intact, unlike the broken lives of those who claim they were abused by them. Yes, I mean, that seems that death appears to be the way out of this one, doesn't it? Will it ever happen? I don't know. Will he ever turn up in court? I don't know. If he thinks he's fit enough, though, to go to the House of Lords and can make decisions, then quite clearly he must be fit enough to uh, appear in court. Uh, We were talking about uh, Roger Daltrey. Half deaf, can't sleep, but he rocks on at 71, ladies and gentlemen. He says, I was in a band with three addicts, but I've never even tried cocaine. It was the car crashes that nearly killed me. And um, when you look at it, you know, all the the arguments. Apparently, at one time, the last time, apparently, he went out with uh, with Pete Townsend, they, uh, they communicated via email. Because they, they couldn't talk to each other. Somebody else has written to me saying that I bumped into uh, Roger Daltrey at a, at a race meeting and I couldn't believe how short he was. Yes, he's, he's actually he's quite tiny. You, don't, you, you just imagine that he's going to be a, a six-footer, a bit like Brian May. But no, 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 he's about half the size. Of, well, he's not half the size, quite clearly. But he's certainly a lot shorter than you imagine. A lot shorter. Keith Moon was the mad one, wasn't he, in the group? I mean, he would sort of do all sorts of strange things. And uh, John Entwistle died at 57 in 2002, but at 71, Roger Daltrey rocks on. He's got, he said, my, my children all leave normal lives. They've never been near showbiz, and I love that. Because that's quite an interesting thing, isn't it? If you're in the business, you know, and your dad's a bit of a, a rock god... And we all remember the film Tommy. Actually, talking of films, I did tweet yesterday that I was watching Finian's Rainbow with Petula Clark, the fabulous Tommy Steele, and, uh, of course, Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire, I don't know how old he was when he made the film. But all I kept thinking was, the people who were working with him must have been thinking, I'm in a film, and it's Fred Astaire. It doesn't get any better than that. Tommy Steele being the cheeky chappy that he always was. He was our, our favourite Bermondsey boy. And, in fact, uh, we nearly got the option. He's touring again in a show coming up, and I think he must be 80. 
I think he must be 80, and he, he shows no sign of slowing down. So quite clearly, the 70s and 80s are the new 50s at the moment, which is good news for everybody if you're heading into that era of your life and you're thinking, oh dear, it's awful, I'm slowing down, I'm slowing down. Just spare a thought from all these people who go out there and still perform. Barry Manilow still performing at the age of, what, 71? Even when you mention people's age, they go, no, they're not that old, are they? And I go, seriously, they are. A bargain bottle of gin was yesterday hailed better than a luxury brand costing seven times more. This is the Oliver Cromwell Dry Gin, voted top tipple at the International Spirit Challenge. So what they do is they go there and they just get tiddly, I suppose, for days on end. Uh, This gin, as I say, £9.99, comes from Aldi. And it actually beat gin, which costs £70 a bottle. Now, I don't drink gin, but my friend John Warrington enjoys a little a little drop of gin, so perhaps he'll be the expert at this. So, £9.99 or £70. Can you taste the difference? They say the £9.99 one tastes better. Could it be true? Still to come on the programme, the, uh, the guns blazing yesterday to mark the Queen's birthday, except she was in Windsor. Probably thinking, thank God for that, I haven't got those blasted guns. It's like 21 guns plus 20 guns because it was in a royal park. Uh, Betty Willis dies at 91. I haven't told you what she designed. I'll tell you what she designed just after the news. Apparently, if you want to be paid more, have more sex. A little bit early in the morning for that kind of story, but there you go. Uh, the dad of 40, he's got a fiancé. Uh, she says his bed-hopping days are over and she's madly in love with him. You've never seen such an unattractive couple in your entire life, and that's being kind, ladies and gentlemen. And the Home Office told to bring home a child it deported to Nigeria. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. On. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six, Wednesday, the 22nd of April. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast show. I like the idea that champagne from the 1800s still tastes good. They brought it up from a wreck. I see no reason. It's been nicely chilling for all that time. But as long as the cork's in there, why would it ever go off? I have heard of people opening bottles of wine, and that, that's gone off quite quickly. Uh, Jamelia opens mouth, puts both feet in, not for the first time. Finally, Dan Osborne acts from Towie after his rants against his former girlfriend, where he threatened to put a knife into her. I think, really, to be honest with you, they should have dropped him ages ago. Google has joined in the search for the Loch Ness Monster, which I'll tell you now does not exist. And Betty Willis has died at 91, and I will tell you right now what she designed. Because it's iconic. It went around the world. And in fact, you can still see it. She designed the Las Vegas sign. That's what she designed. That sign that, you know, signifies to everybody that, you know, you're in Vegas. And it's, I mean, it just looks like a sign to me. You go to America, you go to Hollywood. And I urge you to go to Hollywood. Seriously, if you don't go anywhere else, go to Hollywood. Because you, it's, it's like stepping back into the 50s. It is. The cinemas look like something out of the 50s. Everything. The studios are there. The big gates to the big studios are there in Hollywood land. It's, it is. It's, it's seriously. It's almost as if they built them for the purposes of, of us, the tourists. It's, it's the most delightful thing to go to. Admittedly, at night time, you don't want to go anywhere near it because it degenerates into a tacky area. But Groman's Chinese Theatre, all the handprints little bit naff, I'm afraid. You know, there's some people you've never even heard of. And the handprint thing came about by the self-appointed mayor of Hollywood. And it's a private thing. They charge the celebrities for doing 
this uh, their handprint and their their sort of star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame thing. So it's a little bit naff, but the tour was well worth it, even though our tour bus broke down three times. Uh, a lot of people writing in saying, if you get the opportunity, do do Tommy Steele again. Yes, we did him last time. I forget how long we did him for. I think it was only about half an hour, but he's definitely coming back touring again. Definitely coming back touring again. Uh, so, uh, the captain of the migrant disaster boat is in all the papers today. He's been charged with killing 900 people. Small wonder he looks somewhat nervous. And Sharon says, my friend and I were having a meal with a group of people when one kept on texting while continuing with her meal using one hand. When asked to stop, she responded she was talking to her friend. My friend got so cross, she ended up reaching over, grabbed the phone and said, don't talk with your mouth full. She refused to give the phone back until the meal was over. I'm afraid I think that's the height of rudeness. People using a, a telephone while you're having dinner. I mean, that, that is just the word. Even checking it. Even checking it is bad. Mind you, I check it all the way through this programme. Little Julie says that uh, fellow fan Emily in Bedfordshire is celebrating a birthday today. So, Emily, have a very, very happy birthday, as indeed I'm, I'm sure you will. Uh, Miriam in Jerusalem says, I've heard you talking about EasyJet. Oh, my you should know it was the first and last time I used them in February to London. I had a horror story with them in Manchester flying back to Tel Aviv and I won't ever fly EasyJet again. I'm switching to BA or El Al on my future London flights. EasyJet is just not worth the headache. I fly alone so I can afford to pay a little bit more for a normal airline. Well, you should have been warned, Miriam, when they had a um, a programme on the television. It was it was one of those reality shows where they followed EasyJet and people would rush up to the uh, to the EasyJet desk going, I'm sorry, um, but, you know, we had trouble parking the car. There was an accident on the motorway. And the girl would stand there and go, well, you've missed the flight. Quite calmly. It was... <laughs> you can understand people's frustration. Uh, and it's being filmed. And the people are standing there going, well, you can't. The captain will not let you on. But it's not taken off. It's not taken off. Look, it's still sitting on the runway. Well, the captain says No. And so they, they stood there. So it was the same story every time the programme was on. It was the forerunner to sort of people that you quite could have happily killed. Ian says, I can vouch for Aldi's Oliver Cromwell gin. As a lifelong gin drinker, most gins are far too sweet. Oliver Cromwell is, without question, the driest gin I've ever drunk. Mixed with you-know-who's tonic and a slice of lime produces an amazing, refreshing drink. Keep the gin in the freezer to avoid the need for ice cubes. Uh, see, I've never done gin. I'm not a... I can honestly stand here before you this morning, naked, telling you that I've never drunk gin. I don't like the smell of it. I don't like the taste of it. Somebody told me it was, it was a depressive drink. And uh, I thought, I don't, I don't need a depressing drink. I want something that makes me feel a bit sort of wee, which is good. Um, somebody says, uh, and this, I think, is this... Uh, Yes, it says here, following on from your Madonna story, it reminded me of the incredible rudeness of two people chatting in the front row of Arthur Smith sings Leonard Cohen at the Soho Theatre. Arthur stopped his excellent show and berated them to applause from the rest of the audience for doing so. If you like Arthur Smith and Leonard Cohen, I can't recommend the show enough. It's wittily moving and well executed. A little bit like your show. I can't do Leonard Cohen, I'm afraid. Leonard Cohen, the, the, the combination of drinking gin and listening to Leonard Cohen is a suicide bid, as far as I'm concerned. Both manic depressives. Leonard Cohen, who did the Suzanne, take you down to... It was just... You know, it was like listening to Bob Dylan. And I, I never quite got into Bob Dylan. He was the one who couldn't sing on the uh, on the, the charity record. <laughs> So that's, uh, so that's Julian in Surbiton. Good Lord, so we found somebody called Julian in Surbiton. How exciting is that? Uh, front pages of the 
Papers this morning will come to in a moment. We do have a free podcast for you for today. It might be a little bit shorter than usual. I, I say that now because, unfortunately, the, the printers have had one of their one of their days. We don't actually have a printer that, that, I, can, uh, that I can drag off. But we've dragged off some really good stories for you. So uh, bear with us, and I'm sure they'll be fantastic. Well, I, I know they're going to be fantastic because you love the uh, the free podcast every day. And if you want to know how to do it, you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. And um, my friend Nicola says they call gin, is it? No, it's not housewives, or it's mother's ruin. Mother's ruin, it used to be, for good reason, she says. <laughs> Enjoy your cup of coffee. And, um, and then uh, one from Sally, who says, uh, hope you enjoyed the Ritz. That was to Noreen. Steve mentioned your special day. Very nice indeed. And then, uh, and then Mary says, my LBC app stopped. I had to uninstall and then reinstall it. It's so it's so easy to do, though, isn't it? I mean, that is the uh, that that is the that is the good thing. Uh, and then Max says, my morning will be made more exciting by the prospect of hearing Steve Allen tell somebody to be pensioned off immediately. I think it's a good idea. Don't you think so? Especially this is uh, this is Dan Osborne who's been pensioned off from Towie. This is after the well, I mean. <laughs> Can't even describe what he said to this ex-girlfriend of his. You know, really threatened to put a knife in her. Quite clearly the producers made the right decision. I'm surprised it took them so long. And um, off to Nine Elms was Ron this morning and Raymond, who ate squid rings in Spain by mistake, believing them to be onion rings. He says, awful error, like trying to eat a rubber tap ring. I say, I can't do anything like that. I just don't do fish. I could do fish and chips. I can do that chip shop batter, which youngs do. But I just, I can't do other fish. Although I've had fish cooked for me before. Beautiful. I can eat salmon. So actually, it's a ridiculous statement to say I can't do fish. Of course I can do fish. Uh, the Daily Mirror. The Nazi. 93. I'm morally guilty of 300,000 deaths at Auschwitz. I mean, if found guilty, he could face up to 15 years in prison. He's 93. I don't think he's going to live to be 108, do you? Uh, also, the top Tory knifes the cabinet. This is Grant Shapps who's been accused of secretly editing Wikipedia to damage cabinet rivals, he said no. No. They've also said, oh, he rewrote his own profile to improve his image. But no, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And yet, anybody will tell you that it's very easy to change Wikipedia. It could be done by anybody. It could be done by a friend or something like that. Otherwise, you know, you'd have to know somebody to build up their profile and put it on there. But anything can be changed. Anything can be changed on Wikipedia. I've lost track over the years of how many times I've read something and, uh, and somebody said to me, you read that on Wikipedia. And I've said yes. And they've said, don't believe a word of it. It's absolute rubbish. Uh, the Deadly Diet Pills is front page of The Sun this morning. And this is the, uh, the girl, 21, Ella Parry, who bought them online. She bought 50 DNP tablets from a website. If you've got any, throw them out. Two can kill. Two can kill. She worked uh, misguidedly. Uh, on the assumption that if you took one and you, it could help you lose weight, by taking eight, it would work better. Unfortunately, it burnt from the inside. She goes to hospital, checks herself in. Within hours, she's dead. It's as simple as that. And what they say is these, these diet pills, Amelia, click away. You can find them all over the internet and you'll buy them. And my hard and fast rule is, and my advice to you is, that if you don't know who the company is and you don't know anything about the ingredients of a tablet, why on earth you'd want to put it in your mouth just to lose a bit of weight is beyond me. I'd be, I'd, I think she'd be better off if she'd had uh, some sort of liposuction. Front of the Daily Mail this morning, the union's sinister hold over Miliband, a mail investigation, revealing over half of Labour candidates in key seats are sponsored by Unite Militants. A rare audience with Dame Helen's knees on American television. I think she revels in the publicity. I'm absolutely convinced 
that she revels in the publicity. Front of the uh, the Metro, Jamelia. Ban plus-size clothes from high street shops. Make overweight people feel uncomfortable, says pop star. Sometimes Jamelia appears on television as if she doesn't actually have a brain or is lacking in the intelligence department. And this is not the first time that she's featured in the newspapers. She really must think properly. Engage brain before opening mouth. It'll save you a lot of trouble in the long run. Quarter past six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Six twenty is uh, the time. So, free podcast up for you uh, this morning by about quarter two. It's all very exciting, actually. This is the first day we've actually recorded the free podcast. We haven't had to move anywhere. Normally, it's like an exercise class getting to the next studio to uh, to set it all up and then record the podcast. Today, we don't need to do that. We're what's called flip flopping studios. How cool is that? Daily Express. I've got the uh, drug. Reverses Alzheimer's. Scientists have hailed this game-changing new treatment. Uh, This breakthrough is so significant, human trials have started. Experts say it could be available to dementia sufferers within five years. I'm I'm tempted to send it to Lord Janner, hoping that he's going to live to over 90, because then we can can reverse his dementia. They say it's a a game-changer. In the search for a weapon against Alzheimer's disease, it was made at Lancaster University, led by Professor Christian Holscher, who called the findings extremely exciting. So that's good. They've got a £5 million trial going on, so they should have. Mind you, we can't, we can't cure the common cold, can we? So we keep our fingers crossed they can come up with, uh, with something here. Uh, the migrant boat death toll to reach 30,000 have uh, warned the UN. This is over the, uh, the course of years. They say if it's 900 now, seven to 900 now, then easily it could top 30,000. Uh, the Times for this morning, the British trader accused of sparking the Wall Street flash crash. This is Navinda Singh Sareo. It was held by the Metropolitan Police Extradition Unit in an operation that involves six agencies on both sides of the Atlantic. He will appear at Westminster Magistrates Court today. He's accused of making $40 million over five years by flooding trading platforms with fake orders. I don't understand anything about that at all. I'm afraid it goes in one ear and pops back out the other. Independent today. An Ethiopian trafficker alleged to be responsible for sending tens of thousands of migrants across the Mediterranean had been overheard telling contacts in Italy they organised another trip a few days ago. I don't know what happened. They probably died. Well, as we now know, they did. And the, uh, the first ruling of its kind, which could affect hundreds more, the Home Office, told to bring back a child, it deported to Nigeria. This is the story of a deported migrant family to be returned to Britain from Nigeria... Uh, Theresa May's department will face contempt of court proceedings unless the woman and her five-year-old son are located and transported back to the UK at the Home Office's expense by tomorrow. It's the first time, they say, that an immigration judge has demanded that the government retrieve asylum seekers previously deported from the UK. Asylum campaigners and children's charities have welcomed the ruling, which could have major implications for the way in which scores of children and their parents are deported every year. Uh, They say here, uh, if they can prove that they were at risk of irreversible harm, well, then we have to get them back in again. Why? Why? I mean, sometimes these are just blatant lies. They're just made-up stories. But in this particular case, I think this is the first of its kind. It could open the floodgates for people going, well, I'm afraid we don't want to go back. They want to come back here again. I wouldn't mind if any of these people contributed to the country, but very rarely do they. We seem to be just paying paying for people to come here. I mean, we've got to be the softest touch anywhere. And now, if this is the first... First of its kind, it could be 
Could be floodgate time. Nigella laid bare, according to the Daily Telegraph. It's not as exciting as you think. It's, uh, it's a new BBC show. It'll showcase her pared-back approach. Whatever that is. Simply Nigella will focus on recipes that are light, healthy, and, she says, designed to de-stress. Why do they th- assume that we're all stressed out when we, when we sort of have our day-to-day lives? Why do they assume that? So it's going to be a nice, simple recipe, and you can de-stress with it as well. And so, uh, I mean, I would have thought the only person who's stressed out would be Nigella, after that very public divorce from Charles Saatchi, and a court case in which she was forced to confront allegations of past drug use. Her latest series was announced by the BBC Two controller, who disclosed that unseen footage of Jeremy Clarkson and his final days of Top Gear would be screened in a one-off show. They can't make up their mind, can they, really, about what to do with poor old Jeremy Clarkson? Uh, human rights for chimps. This is... <laughs> this is two chimpanzees have been granted the same rights as unlawfully detained prisoners by an American court in a legal first. New York State Supreme Court Judge Barbara Jaffe issued a writ of habeas corpus requiring the State University of New York on Long Island to defend in court its right to keep the chimps Hercules and Leo. The Non-Human Rights Project claims that because chimps are autonomous, intelligent creatures, their captivity amounts to unlawful imprisonment. And they want the chimps used in physical movement research to be sent to a Florida sanctuary. A writ of habeas corpus replies a person, as you know, to be released from unlawful imprisonment. The project said that by issuing the writ... The court had implicitly determined the chimpanzees has the status of legal persons. Unbelievable. I mean, do you think chimpanzees will be seeking out legal advice after this one? They'll be all sort of contacting the uh, the people that can help them out of their predicament. They were talking about London Zoo the other day. I forget who was talking about it on LBC. It was an interesting discussion, but uh, they, they got it wrong at the beginning where they said, you know, the animals were in cages and it's, it's not nice and it's this kind of thing. Many of the uh, animals at London Zoo and at Whipsnade Zoo and at many others, are bred in captivity. And also, London Zoo has a huge breeding programme, huge breeding programme for so many of the animals there. In fact, if, if they hadn't had their breeding programmes there, you wouldn't be seeing half the animals that you do at the moment. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Kevin the Milkman says, I shall have to look on Wikipedia later to see what age you're down as. I'm hoping it says 39. I'd be mortally disappointed. <laughs> 84850. Uh, somebody says, if Jamelia needs to engage her brain before commentating, why are you not equally critical when Katie Hopkins makes controversial comments? What controversial comments? What controversial comments? What contra- The thing is, she's writing a column in a newspaper that champions freedom of speech. What contra- what's controversial about it? It's only controversial if you disagree with it. And if you disagree with it, well, then don't read it. You know she's there to to sell a to sell a column, and um and and that's what it does in the short space of time she's had it. She's made an impact. Other people have had columns for years. Nobody's even noticed they're there. That's the thing about her. And if you listen to her on LBC on Sunday, and you can podcast the program if you show so desire, you'll realise that most people were phoning up agreeing with her in the Sun today, just to sort of balance it off, just in case everybody thinks oh, everybody's against her. There's a whole raft of letters from people saying, if you analyse what she said, she's absolutely right. If you don't like it, well, then don't read the column. I've got certain columnists that I'm not interested in. But I'll always, I'll always read something until, you know, they say something. I've been totally critical of Katie Hopkins. She'll tell you that on the podcast that I did with her for In Conversation. Um, what's the sparkling wine you keep banging on about, says Stephen Wisley. 
God, is anybody called Steve in Wisley? What, are you actually in Wisley? Good Lord, Prosecco, everybody. It is the drink of the moment. Everybody's drinking Prosecco. It's uh, the favoured beverage at weddings. It's the favoured beverage for lots of people for a sort of a Friday night chill down. And in fact, you go into most wine bars now and they've got an array of Prosecco. You can get it anywhere. Bearing in mind, if you buy it in a wine bar, you're probably going to pay about 25 quid a bottle. And we all know what it's worth. It's like when you buy a bottle of wine in a wine bar, you don't know what they paid for it. But you know that in the case of Prosecco, they probably paid about four quid for it. Or three and a half quid if they're buying it in bulk. And if they're selling it for 25 quid. Some restaurants charge up to 60 quid for a bottle of Prosecco. But it's got to be chilled. It's got to be chilled, but it's good. I wish I'd tried some of that champagne from the 1800s that was brought up from that wreck. But I didn't get, didn't get round to that. We also didn't get round to... Um, Taking a, a good look at the man who is most wanted, Britain's most wanted, quartered his Costa Villa. I always love the look on their faces when, you know, all the police march in there and he's just sitting there in his in his vest and pants, poor soul. Uh, and I love the story of Google looking for something that doesn't exist, the Loch Ness Monster. But there will be those. Actually, luckily this morning, we never found anybody who believed in it. So obviously, finally, we've managed to sort out. We've got rid of the mad people who like that kind of thing and the ones who go, well, of course, you know, in space... You know, there could be life on other planets. Well, as long as they stay on other planets, I don't really care. That's it for this morning. If you uh, missed anything on LBC, go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk. You can download the LBC app, which also is available for iPhones and Android phones as well. So no excuses at all. Free to download. And every day I have a free podcast, except where the printers are playing silly beggars. Uh, At 7 o'clock this morning, it's Nick Ferrari. I'm Steve Allen, back tomorrow at 4. Have a great day. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Steve Allen Show. Next, though, Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC.